Welcome to Joe Talks, The Hunt for the Greatest Movie Ever Made, Episode 10. Um, if this is your first time joining us, welcome for the first time. If this is your 10th time joining us, welcome for the 10th time. I had a bit of an interesting week this week. Um, you, I mentioned this in the podcast this week, and I mentioned it last week, that unfortunately, two episodes that were supposed to have gone out um, well, this week and last week with uh, Rick Shepard last week was supposed to be doing, um, what was it, Dances with Wolves, what was it, Dances with Wolves, Science of the Lambs and Drive Miss Daisy. And this week, Michal Fleming was supposed to be doing um, the three films, which are Platoon, uh, Rain Man and The Last Emperor. But I switched, my laptop fell apart, I switched laptops and um, those two episodes got deleted. So I was a bit like, ah, and I didn't want to bring on Michal again and, and Rick again just to rehash the stuff we'd already discussed, even though it would have been, I guess, fresh for you guys. It wouldn't have been fresh for us and it would have felt a bit off. So I asked two uh, people to come in. So last week's episode was Sean Burke came in and replaced of Rick. And this week, um, uh, Jamie McKinley comes in in place of Michal Fleming. But please still check out Michal on uh, on his social media platforms at Mickey Flem and... Uh, I don't think he's on Twitter, but check him out on Instagram, Mickey Flem. And it's just a fun thing to say, Mickey Flem. <laughs> um, but he, the two of them will feature in episodes in a couple of weeks' time. So it'll be all good. And I just brought Sean and Jamie's episodes forward uh, because they just had spare time. Because they're in the arts world and there's nothing really anything to do in the arts world these days other than starting a podcast. So... This one is very fresh on my mind uh, with the wonderful Jamie who has a podcast, Just Get a Real Job podcast. I'll leave a link in the show notes below and make sure to check it out. Um, I actually was interviewed by him on last week's episode, so make sure to check that out and give it a, give him a follow and give him a like on all his, his social medias. And also, wherever you're watching this, please uh, follow if you're on Spotify, share and rate and give me a five stars and all those lovely things if you're listening on itunes and whatever platform if you could just do what you can to spread the word we'd greatly appreciate and also find us on our patreon by checking at joe talks pod um yeah there's time codes in the show notes below if you want if any of these films you haven't seen yet but you want to hear about the other ones you can just skip to and you'll find out what position they're ranked but you won't find anything about the film because you can just skip to the next uh next note so yeah that's everything Again, thanks so much for joining us this week. Please share on, our, on your social medias and your pods. I hope you enjoy Jamie coming up very shortly. And whether you're listening in Minnesota, Madagascar, or my house. So as anyone listening can hear, Jamie is is very much the most Irish person you've ever met in your entire life. Um, <laughs> Joe, I heard actually. Um, my favorite Scots person of all time is Billy Connolly. And, oh, uh, legend! Yeah, absolute legend. And he, the big in. yeah, the big yes. He did a documentary actually on BBC Scotland about his life mm. the other day. I was only I saw a clip of it because he was my hero growing up. Yeah. You know? What is he like seen as as basically a godlike figure? I'm trying to think of a comparison in our much, yeah. No, he's yeah. one of our he's one of our most iconic, definitely. He's got these lovely murals in Glasgow now. Very nice. It's free of really? them. Yeah. Although some people were giving him a bit of shit because he he's kind of I don't he's never said anything, but he quite likes the royal family and the queen and stuff. So a lot of Scottish nationalists are a bit like, you know, come on, come on, big in, support the cause type thing. But I don't but think what, has he, he cares. Come out? 
what, what, what difference does that make if he, if he likes them? I don't think he's even given a stance on it. And he doesn't even live in Scotland, really. I think he mostly lives in California. Yeah. Oh, no, it's yeah. Florida. Florida he lives. Yeah, he lives there and he has houses everywhere. He's a very wealthy man, as he says himself. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I love him. But who would be on the, like, the Mount Rushmore of, of best ever Scots? Who would, like, the loved <laughs> beyond reproach? Because there's very few of them in Ireland. Like, success... I think we discussed this on your podcast, actually. Yeah, we did, uh, actually. Yeah. And I discussed it with your friend... Um, Jasmine. Jasmine, yeah. Yes. I was glad you got them. I do know her name, by the way. I was gonna, it's very early. I'm very tired today. Ja- Jamie, I will point out that there was no way for our listeners to know that you didn't know her name until... The only reason I knew is because you sat back in the chair and you did that thing of, like, oh, what's her name? Without actually saying anything. No, I knew her name. I just didn't want to get it wrong. So I was scared to say her name in case it was wrong. Because... No, because... But I was just being a mate and just being like, oh, Jasmine, because I know yeah, what you're yeah, going to say yeah. next. But then you decided to say, no, I didn't. I did know her name, d- implying that, you, <laughs> that for, for any reason that I should doubt you that you knew her name. I know, I dropped myself in it more. No, so I had, we had, we obviously talked about this on my on the mm. podcast, which has incidentally come out today, which is very nice. I'm coming on your podcast the day that your episode comes out. So That's right, yes. Yeah, and this and episode it, will come out a week later. So Yeah, which is very I, nice. Yeah, so... You can still go back. It's very easy for you to go back and listen to my episode on Just Get a Real Job podcast yeah. uh, hosted by Jamie and produced by Jamie McKinley. Um, right, so is there anything else you do? Pretty much do everything for the podcast except edit it, which my lovely friend Elliot does a great job of. So big shout That's out to good. him. Yeah, well done. I was really appreciating him right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, we, we had an interview it was re- a couple of weeks ago. We actually did it, but um, yeah. it was released Yes today in this timeline but actually last week for whenever you're listening so yeah. please make sure to find it will all be linked into the bio so of course sure yeah very good episode as well oh very stop cool. at you ah <laughs> charming <laughs> uh, but yeah so you and jasmine discussed this as well the mount rushmore I yeah guess. okay well we kind of talked about um misgivings i think she called it which was a really interesting phrase and just about how like in scotland and ireland we can't be happy for people to be successful <laughs> like it's so true it's it's and I'm trying to actually figure out what it's about because it seems to be a, I don't want to say a Celtic country thing, but kind of like a, a, I don't know, you know, like a country that was once taken over by the colonial powers. It mm. seems because I know it's the same thing in Australia, the same thing in Scotland, probably the same thing in Wales. If to take a second away from shagging sheep to find out, and uh, <laughs> there's actually a funny story. We'll go back to this more interesting thing, but there's a funny story yeah. over there called sheep sheep shaggers because back like hundreds of years ago. Um, Welsh farmers would travel to England to rob sheep. All right, mm. but the thing is, the price for thievery back then was like that for hands chopped off, but the price for shagging sheep was like um, basically a slap in the wrist. So if you ever caught with a sheep, you had to say you were shagging it, and if you're saying you're shagging it, you've got less in less trouble. So that's a fun fact for anyone out there. But um, well, but yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. No, just another. Well, that, that, for whatever reason in Scotland, we also say that about people up north. But the McKinley clan was at, were actually at one point cattle rustlers, and we got we got kicked out of Scotland and sent to Ireland. So there's a wee fun fact for you. Yes. Yeah. How long ago was we, that? How'd you get oh, back? Hundreds of years ago. I don't really know. I'd have to ask my dad more. We went to Ireland. Some of us were sent to Ireland. Some of us weren't. I mean, some of us are in America because President McKinley he was assassinated. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's so, one that no one cares about. Good Yeah. I yeah. think he was a I think he was a Republican, so I would like to strongly disassociate myself with him. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you would want to shot him. 
Uh, <laughs> Time machine, but, man. Yeah, look, hey, um, if anyone's going to use it. Uh, <laughs> but on that, who would be on your Mount Rushmore? Um, I hate using that phrase because it's too American. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of, of Scots? For me personally, I would yeah. probably... Billy Conley is number one on that. Like He's going straight on there. Yes. I'm trying to think. See, I was speaking about Ewan McGregor yesterday to some friends mm. uh, because he is such a hit and miss actor. Because Trainspotting is one of my favorite ever films. Love Trainspotting. Yeah, Ewan, Ewan McGregor prob- probably just for Trainspotting. But then you got people like Robert Carlyle as well, who's amazing. I love Robert Carlyle. Uh, I'm going to put uh, Bill Forsyth in there because he is a great director. I've recently watched yeah. all his films. I love Local Hero. Love mm. Gregory's Girl. Uh, Comfort and Joy, very underrated film. I know we do this at the end, so I'll, I'll wait till then. For <laughs> film recommendation. Yeah, so I put Bill Forsyth in there. I'm trying to think. Peter Capaldi and Craig Ferguson. Oh, both going on. Craig Ferguson, I think, uh, was way ahead of his time. I think he was the one that, that I can't stand James Corden, but he's hosting his channel. I think the late show yeah. he hosts. Oh, whichever one is. Because I, I never watch it ever. I never, I'm going to look, I never watch any American chat show. I, yeah. I watch clips of it or whatever, but. Um, Craig Ferguson, I've always heard of him, but he always seemed like the fourth or fifth in line, you know, for being the whatever the top domain. Um, oh, he, he was—he's one of the best interviews ever. Because I used to watch him mm. when I was younger, but only ever on YouTube because I didn't have the channel. Yes. And I've, yeah. I've spent the last few weeks because uh, my friend Craig Wilson, who was on my podcast at one point as well, a screenwriter, he's been—he sort of really loves him, and we talked about him on uh, whatever. I think we talked about an episode, and I've been watching videos of him. He's the best interview in the world. I'm, yeah. trying, to learn, I'm trying to learn from him for doing the podcast. Like, how does he do interviews? Because he's honestly, he's just such yeah. an amazing guy. And he was in a punk band with Peter Cavaldi. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, which is um, awesome. I love that. And he is because he he was an alcoholic. He I don't know if he was an, um, a drug addict, but I can't actually remember. Sure he, I think he had. Yeah, yeah he was in anyway. Yeah, he openly speaks about it. Also, I I genuinely just can't remember uh, from listening to him, but like. He, I remember like the stuff he did on Britney Spears. He does does an open monologue where everyone in the world, 2007, everyone in the world was against her, everyone because she was having a breakdown, and he was the only one who, and everyone's making fun of her, um, and every single chat show, and he was like, "I've been through this, like this is a human being," and it's funny as well as just heartbreaking that, and you're like, he was so like for now, just say if it happened now, the exact same thing with Britney Spears, there everyone would be trying to be like oh I, I i feel so bad for her that she's going through this but back then they wanted to tear her down yeah. he was the only one i've seen him do uh shows or monologues um uh, after his mom passed away and after dad passed away and they're absolutely heartbreaking he actually won emmys for them for like hosting or whatever i don't know what like uh, i don't even know what you can win for for hosting a show but he won emmys for that and it's just like it's absolutely incredible. The man is such a sensational storyteller. Yeah. And someone I've only heard about since he left. His, yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've ordered his book, um, which I'm really interested to read. And it's all about how he becomes an American citizen. But yeah. yeah. But the last person, because I'm about to forget about who is going on my mate Rushmore, who I obviously cannot leave out because he's one of my heroes, David Tennant. I absolutely love oh. David Tennant. Yeah. Because I grew yeah. up loving, you know, he was the 10th Doctor. So I love that. And he's just yeah. an incredible actor. Uh, I feel yeah. bad. There's no. I'm not putting any women on this list. Actually, I feel like good. I was kind of like giving, trying to send mental vibes to you, just being like, <laughs> "Hey, just just say Nicola Sturgeon." Uh, <laughs> mm, yeah, mean, she's she's in the news a lot at the moment. <laughs> she, she is. Yeah, actually, I'm not even following Scottish politics at all. She's just yeah. the first woman that came to my mind. Uh, and and enough enough said on that. I think. Yeah, uh, I love. Uh, is it no? What is her name? Macdonald. Uh, it's not. Kaylee McDonald? Kaylee McDonald. She she's is great as well. Sublime. She's brilliant. 
we I w- mentioned her somewhat briefly, probably too briefly, on episode four with Dave O'Neill, 2007-2009, which covered uh, what is the name of the film uh, yeah. that she was in, No Country for All Men. And, yeah. uh, of course, and she was in Intermission, which is like a, one of the best Irish comedies of, of this century with Colin Farrell and Killian Murphy. And she is... Uh, just in, and she's in Trainspotting, of course, twice. Um, yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Very, in that. Very, very good. And uh, there was someone else I was going to mention to you. Oh, you McGregor, sorry, you said he's a bit hit and miss. I recently watched Fargo season three. Yeah, and it's one of those ones that re reevaluates what my thoughts are on an actor. And I'm like, this guy is a proper, is an actual thespian. He's just a dickhead, <laughs> you know. He's just an absolute bastard. Uh, he's cheating on his wife he's like apparently I've heard rumours that he doesn't allow, allow people to make eye contact with him on set um, all this sort of stuff so so I've yeah maybe that's why he's because I, I, I look at him in Fargo I'm like he's been around for 20 years how come he's never done anything that's warranted an Oscar nomination yeah. you know? well you know I, well actually there's one other person I will quickly add onto this it's got quite a growing Mount Rushmore I think I, I, there's too many people on yeah this. <laughs> it's more of a Mount Rugby team well I just wanted team. to give a quick because obviously getting into podcasting as well Edith Bowman is an absolute uh, do, do you know who Edith Bowman you'd know her voice I do I recognise a name and I'm I'm sure I'd know the voice as well but she is honestly one of the best radio presenters and oh. you know and like podcasters she has a great podcast on film sound called Soundtracking yeah. and she you know she does she does Glastonbury on the BBC and stuff like the host stuff yeah. like that and she's honestly amazing she's from Fife as well where I'm from just down oh, the road cool. and she's just an incredible broadcaster she has the one of the best voices in the world as well ah very, very so- interesting cool i'll get her on the next show um <laughs> good luck yeah uh, i think a couple of people you might have missed out on on your mount rushmore which is ever growing i i have to you know i'd be remiss if i didn't say uh sir alex ferguson uh yeah of course well, I, to be fair Joe, i was thinking sort of uh creatively for whatever reason yeah. I, I, he oh, has to so go you, in there so you're saying he's not a creative no no manager. no i'm not saying no. that <laughs> i think what we're learning here is scotland is just is actually full of icons and you can't <laughs> Yeah, of course. And Sir Matt Busby and Gordon Ramsay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Dennis Law and Dennis, uh, yeah. Scott, Mc, Scott McTominay. Scott McT- <laughs> sure, okay. That's <laughs> a tiny bit of a stretch. But you know, I'm David Tennant. I never watched, um, a lot of people are surprised at this, I never watched Doctor Who. I can never get into it. Uh, so I only really know him from ever watching him perform Shakespeare. And um, he's just insane the man and like from hosting shows and stuff like that he seems like the most multi-talented loveliest man who's ever existed oh, everyone loves him in the industry I think he generally seems like just such a nice person I think if I ever met him though I'd probably just collapse <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun sight I swear to god he's like oh hey Jamie nice to meet you and then gone do you know <laughs> And you know, his father-in-law was the sixth doctor or something like that? Yeah, fifth doctor, yeah. Fifth doctor, yeah. So who would you say, okay, to kind of, on the Mount Rushmore, would you say David Tennant of, of like living and working actors is probably the only one who's beloved by everyone in Scotland? Or uh, he, maybe, yeah, he, probably. I yeah. think he's quite well, I think he's quite well liked, yeah. Yeah, so I know it's hard to get everyone on board because it's the same here, like, everyone hates everyone. Um, but like... <laughs> I, who is there anyone who can go without reproach like at least like 95% of the people um, Billy Conley I'd say is pretty yeah. like, no, no one really has any issue with Billy Conley he's a legend yeah that's fair I can do a very bad no I, no fuck it I can do a good Billy Conley impression I might have done this on your show as well you did a uh, sort of attempted <clears throat> impression of Rebecca Riddle on my show oh yeah 
Oh, I got her so bad, by the way. I got her so bad. Um, she's been messaging me. I'm going on her podcast. Um, I should, what's it called again? The one, uh, Choose oh, Film. Yeah. Choose Film. Sorry, yeah. I'm going on that on Sunday. Okay, I was meant to be going on and I've had to sadly reschedule because I've got some work, which is exciting. But, um, oh, I'll great. go on it soon. Yeah, so did I take your place? I don't know when were you asked. <laughs> I was asked like the other day. Uh, oh, right. oh, 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 were you the were you second choice to me, Joe? <laughs> I would say second choice. <laughs> I'd say I'd say it's very similar to this. Okay, you weren't first choice for this slot. Uh, you yeah. were further than the road, but then we were scheduled and brought and brought in who I really wanted, which is I know I'm only kidding. You'll be a better yeah. guest than me anyway. Oh, stop! But that's true. Uh, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but she when uh, when it was organised, I was going on. She was like, um, she's like Joe, don't pick Braveheart. That's sorry, that's the worst one ever. I'm literally <laughs> only up. I have to I have to wake for an hour before I can. Okay, so I'm gonna. Oh, drop man. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So she goes, don't pick Braveheart, okay? Don't pick Braveheart. All right, pick any other film though, because we were discussing before how that's like the, and we, I think we we're discussing as well that that's the worst, best thing to come out of Scotland. You know, great for tourism, Absolutely. bad for the industry. So yeah. I, I was like, no problem. And uh, uh, what's his name? Who runs uh, uh, Choose a Film? Oh, fuck, Gary, who's coming on my show in a couple of weeks. Uh, he messaged me. He's like, oh, so what film are you going to pick? And I was like, oh, I'm, I told him the film I'm going to pick. I'm not going to tell you guys. I, I'll tell you, actually, because it'll help you tune in. I'm choosing In Bruges. But I said, oh, lovely. Said, great. Yeah. Choice. Yes. And um, he was like, okay, that's grand. He's like, Rebecca, I'll let Rebecca know. I was like, oh, please tell her I picked Braveheart. Please. Okay. <laughs> and keep it going for a while. So then like, something like a half an hour, 45 minutes later, I get a voice message from her just giving out. Just being like, oh, she was like, please tell me I misheard. So I kept that going for about two hours or so. And then we let her know that it was actually in Bruges. Uh, but you know, you have to get your kicks where you can. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. mean, we, when we did my podcast, you did like four fake intros before we actually got the right one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. That's how we do it. <laughs> so I'm being, very, I'm being very kind to you here, you know. Yeah. No, no, and it's very much appreciated. Uh, but Jamie, um, as I'm trying, I always try to think of a segue from one to the other. Appreciate it. When we were younger, we always yes. seemed to appreciate things more. You know, because mm-hmm. I guess we didn't have a lot more to compare things to. So in the vein of that, when you were growing up, which film did you appreciate the most? So, you know, it's weird being on the other side of a podcast because I'm obviously a, usually a host podcast. So it, I have to answer questions of like, oh, my God, this is actually not as easy as it maybe seems from the other side. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what the, a film I really loved growing up was because I've always sort of watched films. I, I, lo- I love mm-hmm. cinema. I'm trying to think, like, what was the a film I really... How young are we talking? Are we like, do you mean when I'm really young as a kid or as a teenager? or I Just kind of from the age of from, like, eight months old to now. Like, okay. what, you can, <laughs> what you can remember, what kind of sticks out to you? Is there any... It doesn't have to be one film, it could be two or three that kind of really stick okay. out with you. Well, sort of as a, a youngster, like, we used to always have VCRs. Do you remember videos? They were class. Yes, we used to always watch great. stuff. Um, so we had loads on. With loads of like little videos. I remember um I remember the first time I was at the cinema actually and I was terrified. I went to see you know the Thomas the Tank Engine movie with Diesel Ten. <laughs> no, remember that? I don't I do okay. not remember that. That might be what age are you, Jamie? You're twenty I'm twenty I'm twenty four, twenty five very soon, but yeah, twenty four. Right, so, so I'm a little 20, bit maybe slightly below. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, that that I'm I'm a few years older than you, so I think that might have yeah. come out when I was I wasn't the biggest fan of, of Thomas. Well, it, well, it was called like Thomas and the Magic Railroad or something like that, and it was terrifying. I had to leave the cinema. My gran had to take me out of the cinema. This Diesel Ten character was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I the other thing I remember Thomas Hank Engine obviously comes up every so often because um, it, it was a bit darker than it was led out to be. There Great was, capitalism. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was. I remember the Fat Controller. I remember um, obviously Thomas Percy. Uh, it was narrated by Ringo Starr. But I remember there was one episode where, and this I didn't actually watch this episode, but you can find it on YouTube, where a train was sealed alive in under in a in a tunnel, and for being bold or something like that. I can't actually remember why, but I remember being like, because I watched it a couple of whatever years ago, I was like, what the fuck? I presumed it was just a lie, like someone making up, but it was a real episode. Yeah. Oh my That's God. Thomas, I think. Um, and you yeah. were terrified of it. Did you ever, have you ever yeah. gone back to watch it since? Yeah, we used to have it on VCR. I don't think, I think I got over it quite quickly, but I just honestly can't express how scared I was of this film. Like, my mum and dad still bring it up sometimes. They're like, you like had to go and sit outside. I remember actually sitting outside the film, all my family. I'm the oldest as well, so all my younger cousins were fine. I'm just like, <laughs> big, big pussy, obviously. But um, What age were you at the time? I think I was five, maybe four or five. So quite young. Yeah, but like that's when it's appropriate to start fearing things. Do you know? Like at, at around five is when you realise that, mm. you know, there's a bit more outside your front door. That, um, but like... When you're a bit younger than that, you don't even know what you're supposed to be afraid of. Other, <laughs> other than like, you know, uncles and aunts that are that are old and might be coughing. Then you're kind of like, ah. Because um, I, I get the same thing off my dad. There was a, an uncle, like a great uncle, great uncle Paddy, that's his name. And he was like 90 something in like the mid 90s when he came over to visit. And uh, they tried to get a photo of me and him together because I was whatever, three or four. And I was terrified of him. I was screaming. I was bald. <laughs> and he was like a lovely old man, apparently, by mm. all rights. But they wanted to get a photo of me and him together, and they couldn't get it. There's one with me screaming. Aww. And uh, I, my dad my dad says to me every so often, if you're having a conversation around whatever reason, he'd come up, because he fought in like all these wars. And it's like, we tried to get a photo with you, and you bought like an ass. And I was like, I don't know. Like, he was a very old man. Do you know, he was, he was like skinny, and, and, you know, he could have been lovely. But like, as far as I knew, you were giving me to death. Yeah, you know? I used to be scared of them. You know, what I was I was also scared of is that at this similar age, you know, the mascots you get at Disneyland and stuff like the, the oh, dressed yeah. up. My mom and dad took me to Disneyland Paris, and apparently, I was terrified of all the people dressed up. But that's fair. <laughs> that's fair, <laughs> isn't it? It's fair. Yeah, like, I was young. I saw a lion. I'm like, I don't. That's a lion. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is against what I'm normally seeing. I'm normally seeing my mom. I'm normally seeing my dad. When I see I, an anthropomorphic, what's it? An, say the word. Say the word. A what? Amphipomorphic. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Amphipomorphic. Yes, lion. That, yeah. Have you never heard that word before? No, I have heard it. I just I didn't yeah. understand your Irish voice for a second. Well, you said <laughs> it as well, so we don't look I like did. Celtic idiots. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we, we here we said this on my podcast when we couldn't say a word. What was the word we couldn't say on the episode before? I again? don't. I can't even remember. And I don't want to remember. I, I, <laughs> This comes up to me at least, I won't say once every show, but like once we, every... We both tried for ages to try and get this word and we both just couldn't do it. And we both just said, look, English was not our country's yeah. first language originally. So <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Gail gig all the way. All the way. Um, yeah. So we're yeah. on the we are on the bracket, uh, 1987 to 1989. Um, and the films are The Last Emperor, Rain Man and Platoon. Uh, Jay, before we get into things, was it difficult ranking these from third to first? 
Yeah, it was very difficult, actually. And I've still, I haven't even decided my first to first. So I'm going to do this on the cuff, by the way, because can I just say before we sort of break, go into all the films, yeah. but this was actually a really interesting list to get because all three of these films are nothing alike. Um, mm. And I know in some years you can look at the Oscars and you can make some maybe similarities. None of these films are at all similar. So it was quite yeah. a variety. To, and I'd not seen any of them before this. So that was quite uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fascinated to come into you with that because... This is okay. I'll let, I'll let you all in on a little secret, which is not much of a secret because I'm going to give a shout out to this. At the, I presume when I do the intro thing, but uh, Jamie was called in a little bit, uh, not last minute, last two weeks, we'll say, mm. uh, because I switched over my laptop. I think I said this on the last podcast as well. Switched over my laptop and two episodes got deleted. Last week's episode, which re- was originally recorded with Rick Shepard and was changed to Sean Burke. And then this episode, which was originally um, recorded with Mike, uh, Michal Fleming and was uh, changed to Jamie uh, McKinley uh, because I didn't want to bring Michal back and to re-record stuff we already covered because it just wouldn't have the same energy. So I wanted to bring Jamie in and Jamie was due in a couple of weeks from now anyway. So we're mm-hmm. switching around. So Michal will be on in a couple of weeks. But I will say, and Michal messaged me, he was like, uh, you only... He jokingly was like you're only doing this because you didn't want my first choice to to stick um so and i was like no no so i will say there's part of me that it would be find it very kind of hilarious if you two had the same choice but there's another part of me that really 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 doesn't want you to have the same choice in the first place but i won't tell you what that film is because it might okay, surprise you're gonna have to figure it out yeah <laughs> uh, we're gonna figure out as we go along so um so yeah, let's get into it. Third place uh, for the bracket, 1987 to 1989. Jamie, what's your middle name, Jamie? Alexander. Ooh, like Alexander. The full, was that after the man who conquered everything? Or? No, my dad's best friend's called Alexander, so I'm named after him. Is that a subtle thing to find out he's your he's your real dad? I wouldn't be. I mean, I hope my mom and dad don't listen to this, but I love my godfather. Alex is a legend. If he was my dad, I would, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I love, you do my, not. Love, love my dad too of course yeah Jamie just so you know I'm, go, I'm going to clip that um, and, and, and that's going like immediately out in all the in all the post-production um, that's like I love my godfather I'd love if he was my dad and then he'll he'll you'll see him it's slam awesome. his face against him and he'll go Joe, Joe, this man this man bought me an Xbox and stuff like he lives in he lives in Paris so we didn't see him very often oh, wow. and like he, he'd come over with his wife and my cousin Maxine and you know we're very close, and like he's, I used to go and stay with him in Paris and stuff. Like he's, he's honestly great. I love Alex, he's, but I also love my dad too. To be clear, <laughs> just just add that in it again. I can edit these out. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> is, is he is he actually blood related to you, or do you just call him like? No, he's just my dad's you? best mate. So we just sort of ah, my dad. Like we say he's my godfather, but it's not like a, officially a religious thing. He's just like an uncle, really. He's like an uncle. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I have lots and lots of uncles. Uh, not to brag or anything. One of them is my godfather. And he was yeah. great up until the point I was 18. Then he cut me off. Uh, I hope you are listening, Martin. <laughs> no, no, he's great too. He's great too. But uh, yeah, cool, Jamie. So the bracket 1987. Sorry, Jamie. Alexander uh, McKinley. The bracket 1987 to 1989. Your bronze medal goes to... Oh, I've got to decide now, haven't I? I've got to actually decide yeah. this. Right. Okay. This might be controversial, actually. I'm going to go. I'm going to put. And the winner is. Platoon at number three. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think that's the same as what it was before, but Platoon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. As far as I can remember. Yeah, I think that is the way it goes. But okay, Platoon. Platoon. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
Platoon. Chris Taylor, a neophyte recruit in Vietnam, finds himself caught in a battle of wills between two sergeants, one good and the other one evil. A shrewd examination of the brutality of war and duality of man in conflict. Uh, Platoon is rated 218 on the IMBD Top 250. It won four Oscars. Mm-hmm. Won um, 20 award- awards in film festivals around the world. Uh, nominated for a further 15. Do you want to take a stab at the four Oscars that it won? It won an Oscar. I'm a, I think it probably what did it win Best Director? No. Oh, it did. Sorry, it did. Yeah, it won. I think there was a performance one in there, but I can't remember who for. Did it win an acting one? Who would you say it was for? If you would, <sighs> probably one of the sergeants. I'd, I'd go a supporting one, maybe. Okay. Uh, well, they were both nominated, but neither one. Ah, okay. I knew they were nominated. I couldn't remember. Uh, sure, I think it sure. probably won a. Did that win a costume award or something? No, I wouldn't want a costume award. No, they're all the same costumes. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm gonna go cinematography. Actually, surely, come on, that was that was one of the best. No, things nominated. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. uh, I'll, I'll let you know. One best picture, obviously. Best director, Oliver Stone. Best sound, John Wilkinson. Richard D. Oh, Rogers. Yes, uh, Charles Grensback and Simon Kay, and best film editing Claire Simpson, and then nominated uh, were uh, Tom Berenger for best actor in a supporting role, best actor in a supporting role for Willem Dafoe, best writing screenplay written director for the screen Oliver Stone, best cinematography Robert Richardson. A couple of fun, 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 fun facts. Uh, according to Oliver Stone, he intentionally cast uh, Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe against type. Berenger plays a rootless, sadistic Sergeant Barnes, who most famously at the point for playing good guys and Willem Dafoe, who had primarily played villains up to that then, played the heroic, compassionate Sergeant uh, Elias. The casting worked and both men received Oscar nominations for their work. In a television review, Charlie Sheen credited Keith David with saving his life. While shooting on an open-door Huey gunship, uh, the helicopter banked too hard and Sheen was thrown towards and would have gone through the door uh, with the door open. David grabbed him and pulled him back in. In Manny... Uh, U.S. military leadership classes, the character of Lieutenant Wolf is used as an example of how not to behave as a junior officer. And according to his DVD commentary, the scene in which Chris saves a Vietnamese girl from being raped was inspired by an incident which Oliver Stone intervened in an assault on a villager in Vietnam. So, as you said, Jamie, this was your first time seeing Platoon. Yep. Did you know anything about it before watching it? Uh, well, I know about all I actually got an Oliver Stone book for Christmas from, from my dad, oh. actually. Not, not my godfather, from my dad, I should know. <laughs> uh, which yeah. was actually really good. It looks really interesting. I think it's quite new, and it's signed as well. It was a signed copy, wow. so... I'm not ready yet, but so I kind of know a little. I've been reading about him because I hadn't seen any of his films at all. Mm. Um, I know he wrote some scripts for things as well that I think I've seen. I think I've seen Scarface. I know he did the screenplay for that. Mm. Um, but I didn't know a lot about Platoon, really, other than it's a Vietnam film. And funnily enough, I watched a lot of Vietnam films in the last year because I watched Apocalypse Now last year. I watched Full Metal Jacket last year. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I've watched quite a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it. I just, there was something... I don't know if I was in a bad mood when I watched it, but I, I didn't love it. But I that, did I did like it. Yeah, I think th- that always affects me as well because you have to be in a very certain mood, I think, to watch any film. You kind of have to have like mm. a base sort of like vanilla state where you can yeah. just sit there and then let it top you. But if you're in a bad mood, if you're tired, that's going to affect how you think about the film. And unfortunately, yeah. that can be sometimes what happens. Um, yeah, with I had never seen it before this, but I had... Like, there was a couple of things that came up. I was like, oh, that's been parodied, that's been parodied. Like, mainly the one that's been parodied is when um, Elias gets shot. Do you know? Uh, yeah. Well, not get shot, but he's running and the vehicle. Like, that shot is, by the way, that is incredible. That, that, um, 
because they're I've seen that so many times of him getting shot and then he, the bullets, you know, going through him and he throws his hands up in the air and stuff like that. That's I've a seen great that scene though. So good. Yeah. But when it, when that's actually happening, I forgot all about the parodies that were going on. I was like, just taking <laughs> in by, yeah, but just by this man running on his own, continuously getting shot by people chasing him down behind his back and with nothing that his um, soldiers can do. And it's also beautiful how that's how um, Chris Taylor, Charlie Sheen's character, finds out that um, Barnes shot him because of that video. Like, it's just a beautiful scene. I shouldn't be talking about my favorite scene yet, but that, that might be my favorite scene. But that's like one that I remember... That's what mm. I remember Platoon for. Also, an interesting thing, and I could be wrong in saying this, but I've watched more films since about Vietnam, um, obviously for this this show. But I think this might be, it's definitely the only one that won Best Picture that is actually made by a Vietnam vet. Yes, I was reading about yeah. that before today's interview, and I think a lot of the praise the film gets is it's one of the first films that really looks at the infantrymen in the war as mm. well. It, mm. it is one of the more realistic looks at like what it was like on the ground. I think. Yeah, and, and, and you do get. Yeah, and that like there's whenever you're making like a war film, there has to be something different about it that allows us to, to come in to see things from different perspectives. Like we'll say, the deer hunter, is, uh, which I watched recently enough, is about the effects of. Vietnam and a small town. Yeah, uh, this this is about the like it's about rivalry between soldiers. Uh, what's another one I've seen? I know the Hurt Locker is a bit uh, is obviously a different war, but the same thing. It's it's how the mental effects of constant under fire does to people. So like with Platoon, the fact that it's you feel like you're there. It's like little tiny details, like with uh, the very beginning when his uh, ants on his is it ants or whatever it is on his neck. Yeah, it's the very first scene, I think, isn't it? Yeah, like, this but like, start. yeah, just kind of stuff like that where you're like, that's so clever. Like yeah. adding these things in, add the allows to be there more the, dis- yeah. the disillusionment, the destruction of people that that go to war and what they what they're like when they leave. Even though we don't see them when they leave, but we see how he is when he arrives and how he is when he's when he's going home. It, two completely different people, uh, and it's just all for nothing as well. Um, yeah. All for nothing. Uh, so for you, what has it in third place? I see. This is like I don't when like, I tried to sort of say this before we started recording the episode as well. Like I, they're so hard to compare these films. Like they're mm. so hard to compare because like I, I, I don't think you can really say like Platoon and Rain. Do you know what I mean? They're so different. Yeah, and they both yeah. have great. They both have different things uh, that are good about them. Yeah, uh, I think it. I was purely just an enjoyment thing for me, and you know maybe I was just in a bad mood and watched it, but. I don't know. The, I I did I did enjoy Platoon. It was just a few points where I was like, "Hmm, I don't know." It does that. Like, have I? Does this add anything from films I've seen before? Mm. Like for me, if that makes sense. But it was very well written. Very, yeah. It's a very good film. Like the music is what I love most about Platoon. Well, the yeah. music was excellent. Music like the use of the soundtrack. Like the scene when they're flying over. You know the one we just talked about when you know the sergeant gets shot and they're yes. flying away in the oh. helicopter. That's yeah. incredible use of music and cinematography. It's beautiful, and like I love the scene when they all get high and they're they're all singing ah, and yes. dancing. So yeah. I love that was that was brilliant. I got goosebumps watching it because I love seeing people sing on screen like that when they're all mm. like this sort of unitedness. I um, love like the there's the one section or whatever you want to call it, the one unit and then the other unit obviously all together. But like even in how they relax is so different. Yes. You know, and you have Kevin Dillon, who's Matt Dillon's brother, who uh, was, we discussed Matt Dillon and Crash in episode nine with, or sorry, episode eight with Pat Burns. Mm. So 2000 and 
three till 2006. So check that out. Um, but he's like the most sadistic of them all. He's yeah. like, um, and it, it kind of shows every kind of like character type, like the scene when he kills, uh, what does he beat the shit out of? I'm trying to remember exactly when, when he, with John C. McGinley, obviously mm. Dr. Cox. Like, there's so many people, so many people here who like, this is definitely a platform to start so many careers. Yeah. Cause Johnny, uh, De- Johnny Depp's in it as well. I am convinced though that Johnny Depp, the only reason he has like a, a title card is because he went on to become Johnny Depp. Yeah, because he's barely in the film, is he? Yeah. Like he's he's he dies and he translates, and that's kind of all he does. And he hangs out <laughs> with the um yeah. with the cool with the cool kids. But there's a lot of like um like it seems to be a lot of homoeroticism as well in yeah. this as well. Like um which I was kind of wondering where where it was coming from, where it was leading to, but like exactly what was happening with that because uh Especially between Chris Taylor and and uh, what's his name, Sergeant Elias, Willem Dafoe. Like the first scene where they're they're both high and they're in uh they're in their little hood or whatever it is, and he walks up to him. I'm like, they're gonna kiss, Do you know. The camera is like on Willem Dafoe's face and like they're very close to each other. And I was like, there's something gonna happen here. It didn't happen, but it was just kind of interesting undertones that was happening. Yeah, uh, a, a lot throughout the film. Um, but who for you, like we, the two nominations that, that came out were uh, William Fawcett as Sergeant Elias and, uh, and Tom Berenger as Sergeant Barnes. Um, what did you think of those two characters in particular? I think they're probably the two most interested in the film, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it's sort of their conflict almost, their, their different approach. Because um, the scene when, is it Sergeant Elias and they, they were like proper going for the villagers? Jesus, yeah. That's brutal, but it's yeah, and that's horrible. And we read about that now. You read about the atrocities in Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff. Mm. And today's and you know, I'm just trying to compare it to a modern this close to we can relate to it. Um, and but that actually, what I liked about that scene was it almost gives you a bit of empathy for the soldiers. And you're like, why are they doing this? Like this is how yeah. great. Because but what's the what's the famous quote again? It's like hell has no reason or something. He said, yeah. And, and I think that scene encapsulates that encapsulates. I can't say that word either, but it's stupid, <laughs> stupid Kel over here. Uh, encapsulates. Encapsulates. There we go. Yeah, that sort of thing very well because it's like there's there's almost like no reason when this when the soldiers are in this village. They're, it's like they're in this horrible place. They're in this horrible war, mm. and like I thought the relationship between the two characters in that scene was very interesting. Uh, yeah, I think the duality between them uh, between them as well. Um, like there's. If you want to say they're both broken by war in some ways, maybe William Defoe not as much. William Defoe's character, obviously, but um, you, you look at um, Sergeant Barnes and the, it, he's a large scar going across his face that is never explained. As far as I can remember, anyway, it's never explained why it's there. No. But you can imagine that he has been through everything. You yeah, know? He, and it has, and that's not to accuse everything he's done in the film and probably everything he's done prior to with the, these types of people, but like it gives you an understanding of where his head's at. Um, by any chance, do you think he was kind of hoping to die anytime? Uh, pro- possibly because he, I think he's quite content to die when he when he yeah. does. Like, but I mean, I've, does he not say like to the other character that like, you'd forgotten why you're here? Like yeah. he still, he still sort of seems convinced with the cause where a lot of the other soldiers are like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, this is just ridiculous now. I um, think that, I think uh, uh, for me, I think that comes from a little bit of, I have to explain all the stuff I've done. You yeah. know, I have to reason to myself that. That's what I got yeah, as well. Yeah. That is, it's that I've done horrible things, but it's all for the, the, the good cause. 
Do you know what I mean? And I think, I think that I think the film like is sort of really does make that point. Like you know, the main character volunteers for it, like Oliver Stone did. I think he mm, he volunteered yes. for it, and then he's like, "What the hell? Like, this isn't at all for anything. Like we are just the grunts." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it really interesting as well. But go back to talking about Barnes and Elias in a moment. But uh, that Charlie Sheen, who who was very good in this, and it's hard to remember that he was actually a an A list like dra- drama actor, do you know, uh, to put it that way. Uh, I thought it was really, really good in this, and I've seen him in a few other things around this time as well. When he and Wall Street as well, when he was really shooting for the stairs. But I found it interesting why they chose that he was writing to his grandmother. Yeah, it was a good uh, choice, actually. Why, why do you think they decided that? I just think it almost adds like an extra generational thing because she's older mm-hmm. and she was in, probably lived through the other wars as well. More more chance of that and also i just think it gave it almost an extra innocence than if it was a dad or something i don't know i think it added like sort of sweetness almost i i took it in maybe the slightly darker way i was like oh he's more disconnected from life because he can't speak to his parents ah okay that's probably more clever than what i said isn't it (laughs) i'm gonna clip that part as well that's gonna be my alarm when i wake up in the morning that's more clever that's more clever (laughs) but uh yeah that's what i kind of figured that maybe the reason he he joined as well was because he had just wanted to get out of the life that he was in maybe all this sort of stuff and his family probably weren't happy and I don't know. That's just the way I sort of looked at it. I just thought it was a it was a bit of a weird choice to go with grandmother and then never really explain it. Um, but to go on, uh, so what are, what are your thoughts on the? Well, actually, you know, they were both nominated for best supporting actor, uh, Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger. But if you had to give one of them that actual that statue, who would you give it to? I'm going to give it just to Willem Dafoe purely for that that most iconic scene that's parodied yeah. today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I also I okay yeah before we go out we'll talk about scenes in a second but if you had to look outside of Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger who do you think was the star performer? Oh I'm trying to remember the actors names now to be yeah. honest um, I'm gonna I've got I've got it on my second screen here <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't because to be honest there's so many characters and I can't remember any of their names yes that's right I remember who's the one that has the weed again is it Forrest Whitaker that is who has like he is yes. the one with yeah I re- he was good in it I really enjoyed yeah, him he's great, uh, he's great yeah there's uh, a few I'm trying I can't remember honestly there's so many actors in this film because it's a big ensemble cast so I um, love and like that's what I'm saying it began so many careers like if you look at this now you'll be seeing, you see so many people mm-hmm. like Lieutenant Wolf um, who was in Desperate Housewives Keith David who yeah. was in loads of including Community um, Kevin Dillon who was in uh, Entourage John C. McGinley who obviously played Dr. Cox in Scrubs um, there's a few others there, of course, as well. Um, what on on like the Channel of Wolf as well? I loved how they portrayed him as yeah. just being a coward, not like a coward as well, but just so weak mm. um, and out and out of touch and out of touch and not because he's not a grunt, is he? It's like no. that sort of divide between. It's the same in the First World War. You see a lot in films like officers and and infantrymen. Mm. I thought they did yeah. that very well. And especially when he tries to connect and just can't, and then he yeah. he gets told off by by the people he's a superior officer officer too, because it's clearly uh, Wolf, sorry not Wolf, Elias and Barnes who are contro- like who are controlling everything. Do you know what I mean? They have their yeah. men kind of split right down the middle, and um, yeah, I, I and like I said in the fun facts that he's used an example of how not to to be a commanding officer, and. Uh, 
Yeah, so for you, okay, we're going. Uh, your standout scene from this film, what would it be? I mean, there's two, but I probably have to just go with the iconic one when they're flying over, and you know, and 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 Sergeant Sergeant Ellis. I, I don't want to mix the names. Is yes. it Sergeant Ellis? Yeah, it just yeah, his, Elias. His, Elias, yeah. Elias. So his death scene. Oh, it's just. It is, I know it's so parodied, but it is just an incredible scene, and it's yeah. very moving. It's very moving, and the music works so well. The helicopter flying away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I completely agree with you, and it, like I was saying before. It's, it's when I got up to that point. I because whenever I go in to watch a film that I haven't seen before that I know is iconic, I'm like, I'm waiting for it mm-hmm. to get to that point so I can have a, then I can laugh at it almost. And but like I was sucked in completely, and I when that was well. happening, yeah. And I was look looking down, and then Charlie Sheen looks at Barnes, and it's so clear that everything has happened the way it did because yeah. of Barnes. Barnes did this. It was incredibly clever uh, direction. And he know, and he knows in that scene as well. He knows like, oh fuck, like yeah. So. Yeah, 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 it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'm gonna uh, t- two other scenes I'd like to touch on as well is when Barnes comes to the hut because they're planning on fragging him that night to yeah. kill him, and he comes in and and basically scares the shit of them and then gives them the opportunity to go for him. And that's when I'm kind of like thinking he does almost want to die. I think he's in constant pain, whether it's emotional or physical or both. I think he wants, yeah, I think he wants out of life. Y'all know about killing? Well, I'd like to hear about it, potheads. You smoke this shit so to escape from reality? Me, yeah, I don't need this shit. I am reality. the way it ought to be and there's the way it is Lias was full of shit Lias was a crusader now I got no fight with any man that does what he's told and when he don't the machine breaks down and when the machine breaks down we break down and I ain't gonna allow that. Many of you. Not one. Y'all love lies. kick ass yeah well here I am all by my lonesome and ain't nobody gonna know six you boys against me And that's when, it, like, my next one is. First of all, the whole battle sequence is insane. It, it felt like a sci-fi film at, at parts. This why I yeah. was like, I think Vietnam and these um, and and World War Two and stuff like that influenced other mediums as well. Because when I watched Platoon, I saw these battle scenes. I trusted in other scenes that this is what it was actually like. 
if that makes sense. Because yeah. it looked like the, um, it was just chaos. It was just absolute mayhem. And I was, and it was so terrifying that you were like, anyone could die here. Anything could happen. And I love, um, of course, the, the moment I'm talking about is when uh, Barnes just says, get a medic. And it's like, oh, well, and just do it. And then he shoots him. There's yeah. no like, there's no pause. There's no kind of like, oh my God, just shoots him. And you're like, this is what the war has done to this young man. Brought him from being a like a model citizen coming into a murder, killing like no matter what way, whether it was justified or not, he killed someone. And then um, I love when like the end of that sequence when the guy wakes up and he looks around and there's no injury, so he stabs himself in the leg. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. It's a very, yeah. Very funny. And, yeah, and Chris Taylor's like obviously he's very injured, so it's like he can't continue. And then uh, <laughs> McGinley's John C. McGinley's character wakes up and he's like, um, "You good? You good, sir?" And it's like, yeah, I'm good to go. And then he's like, good. <laughs> you're, you're on the second infantry. And you're like, oh my God, he's going to die tonight. And especially, sorry, another moment to touch on on, on Barnes is when um, uh, he says to him like, oh, come on, I've done everything for you. I, I've got a bad feeling about this. Let me go. Let me go, please. Um, like, I'm going to die. I, I, I've done so. Please, please. And he goes, everyone's going to die sometime. Do you yeah. know? And you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. I know. It's just like... So. I think he did. I think he was ready to to go. I think he. I think he. If, 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 that guy couldn't come back from that war, could he? No. He just, no. It would have been yeah. a travel speckle if he did. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, oh. do you, I I got a fact for every film, as I told you. Before. Oh so yes. Do you want to know my platoon fact? And you didn't say it, right? This is just rumored, but apparently Oliver Stone was first uh, personally wanted to play the role instead of Charlie Sheen was uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors. He wanted him to play the lead. And apparently what? when Jim Morrison was found dead in his hotel, there was a draft of Platoon. Oh, my God. But this God. is just a rumour. This is according to IMDb yeah. trivia. Could be bullshit. So don't quote, don't quote me on that, but that is my I, source. I'm literally quoting you on it. How, <laughs> when did Jim Morrison die again? Uh, 1971, I think. Oh, so it was a good few years before the film came out anyway. Yeah, because he wrote the script years before. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. That's about yeah. right. It was very early. Yeah. yeah. Um, Got a poster of him there, actually. Ah, it's out of sight, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'll believe you though. I'll believe you. <laughs> um, but before we go into uh, the comparing it to other best pictures that were nominated that year, uh, you said you had recently watched uh, Full Metal Jacket and Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Was there any other people that is just those two Vietnam films you've watched I think as well? Just mainly them two, yeah. When did I watch uh, the other ones? Hacksaw Ridge isn't Vietnam, that's World War Two. so yeah, no, yeah. that wasn't. So yeah. if you were going to rank. First of all, this platoon amongst those little two uh, uh, Vietnam films, where would you put it? So, Full Metal Jacket, right? This is how I feel about that film. First part of Full Metal Jacket is a 10 out of 10. Second part yeah. is like a 7 out of 10. So, it pulls it down to like an 8.5 or whatever. So, sure. that, that would be third. Um, second platoon, I'd say. And first, obviously, Apocalypse Now is like the, probably one of the best war films ever made. So, yeah. it's pretty like flawless film so yeah yeah i agree i agree um yeah cool so we move forward to i feel like there was something else i meant to say about platoon that is going to annoy me because i'll remember right after i was supposed to say it apparently yeah. as well um what's his name oliver stone was an absolute bastard on set too. yes yes he made them yeah. like sort of go through like almost drill training and like he didn't let them eat properly yeah so they actually all were exhausted the cast were t- all exhausted yeah, it's a similar, well, not similar at all, but in a certain way. Uh, Steven Spielberg on the set of Seven Private Ryan, they were all sent to boot camp training for like yeah. three weeks beforehand. But the only person who didn't have to go 
or only went for a couple of days was Matt Damon because Spielberg wanted to set up that resentment uh, of one against the other for against uh, Private Ryan, basically. So, but I can understand why why uh, Oliver Stone did it. And like he used uh, Giant Depp said that like he was so scared of him that he almost made him vomit. The editor said that he wanted to see the the reels from a scene that they hadn't even shot yet and demanded to see it, just psychotic. But but yeah, look, it made the film and everyone you know became a superstar because of yeah. it. So I just don't think you can do that anymore, to be honest. And modern, modern day, like it just wouldn't happen. And like as somebody who wants to work in the film industry and TV industry, I would not feel comfortable with that either. So no, no, I I think it's it's grand for that time, but like if it happened now, that person would be yeah. gone. Do you know, that's why you know David or Russell is. He's he's okay now, but he's gone. I think he's basically gone away again for a while. But he's a notorious, notorious like scumbag. And yeah. well, scumbags do, but like Aerosol on set, like he bullies you. But you can see videos on it. And uh, the last yeah. thing he did, I think, was American Hustle. Maybe he's another one coming out soon. But uh, that that took a lot out of him. Uh, I just don't think he would get away with it now. And I, I first, can I just correct myself? There? I said for somebody who wants to, I need to stop saying that. I do work in the film and TV industry. Yes, I need, to, I need to start acting like I'm part of it, and it's not some mythical thing further away yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> um but platoon uh, obviously well, it's, it's bronze medal at the moment but it, yeah. it won best picture i think in 1987 but it was nominated alongside children of a lesser god hannah and her sisters the mission and a room with a view out of those films um did that you've seen did platoon I've, deserve to win I've, I've, I've not seen any of those other films <laughs> Uh, that that's okay. No, you know what? That's actually true. I I've saw I've seen some of Hannah and her sisters, and for whatever reason, we watched them locked in last year. Me and my, my flatmate was like, "Can we watch this another night?" And then we never did because we rented it and it ran out. So, oh no, <laughs> Hannah and her sisters is great. Uh, I, I was in, I was enjoying it. So I love Woody yeah. Allen. So, uh, yes. So yeah, uh, recently watched Annie Hall on an episode. Uh, oh, it's so coming good. up very soon. Such a great film. Such a great film. I won't tell you where she placed it though. Uh, and then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the mission is um, oh, Ray McNally is uh, he was nominated for an Oscar, but won a Golden Glo- won a won a BAFTA for it. Uh, he's an Irish actor. Uh, brilliant film, should be checked out by everyone as well. Uh, Children of the Rest of God, I don't know that. A rumor, if you've heard of that, um, mm. platoon. I would say for just because Frankie Boyle, uh, another uh, Scottish fellow, I missed him off the Mount Rushmore as well. He's like he's great. Yeah. He is great, but his great line is like, uh, the Americans will invade your country and then make a movie about how sad it made them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that, that sums up a bad uh, war film. But like, a good war film, it tells us, it tells a story we've heard a lot, but from a different perspective. And that's yeah. why I think Platoon probably deserved to win it. Platoon does. Icarus, yeah, so I think so. Mm. I think so. So yeah. You know, you, speaking about that's Platoon's right. actually made me sort of like it more and, and feel, and, and uh, yeah, because I've not said anything negative about it. I, I, yeah, as I say, I didn't, I didn't hate it at all. I just didn't connect with it as much as I maybe wanted to. That's fair. That's allowed. Uh, you're allowed to be wrong. It's, it's fine. How are you folks? Just taking a little breather away from our regular scheduled program to tell you that next week we will have actor, theatre producer and social activist Adam Tiralon. Um Adam is a terrific and wonderful performer uh, with incredible insights and we'll be discussing Gandhi, the terms of endearment, uh, out of Africa and Amadeus. So please make sure to follow on all the social medias to keep up to date on that episode and it'll be released on Monday. So please make sure to check us out and come back for that episode. Anyway, back to Jamie. Um, 
so oh yeah so we're on to the silver medal now for the bracket okay. 1987 to 1989 uh i'm a bit worried uh <laughs> so oh, your, no. so your silver medal goes to oh jesus christ this is there's so much pressure on this joe because i know yeah. i i think i know which one you're gonna hate me i think i think you're gonna hate me for this but are there any more <laughs> they blink, they blink like, now, now. Uh, and the winner is Last Emperor is going to go in at number two. Oh, thank God! Oh my God! Thank you so much. Oh, really? oh, oh, oh! I, no, I oh expected. my God! Thank you. I, yeah. I won't say I didn't hate the Last Emperor at all. I didn't, but it's four hours. I know, Joe. Long. Don't, don't worry. I'm taking. I'm trying to be very open-minded and take the length out of it because when I had. <laughs> You can ask some of my friends. I hope you're all listening, friends, to the Joe's Lovely yeah. podcast. But I moaned like fuck last week. I was like, I'm watching this film and it's four hours long. And I'm... <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Because Michal chose that as his number one. And I was so annoyed with him. Only because I, I didn't mind watching it, but it was four hours and it was so it's long. Too long. It's too it's long. It's too long. So that, that's okay. Okay. That, that's fine. That's fine. So thank you. Yay. Uh, Grant, The Last Emperor won nine Oscars. It was nominated for 22 film festival in 22 nominations film festivals around the world. It won a further 51. Uh, I won't even ask you to guess the nine Oscars that it won because it won nine out of nine. So I'm just going <laughs> to read them out. Um, if you could name one, one that it won, what would you say? And then I'll pretend um, you got it all right. <laughs> Did it win best uh, costume? That's such a weird one to pick. And that's why that's why I picked it. It did. It best costume design. Like, like, and I knew it did because I just <laughs> ah, you son of a bitch. Okay, okay. so uh, best picture, obviously, best director, Bernardo Bertolucci. Best writing screenplay based on material from another medium, Mark Pepelo and Bernardo Bertolucci. Best cinematography, Vinito Sataro. Best art direction, set decoration, uh, for Fernandino Scatteruf. Scatteruf. Oh, they're all Italian names. Scarfati, uh, uh, Bruno Cesari, uh, Osvaldo Desideri. Ah, oh, this is going terrible. Uh, best costume design, James Ackerson. Best sound, Bill Rowe, Ivan Sharrock. Best film editing, Gabriella Sirostini. Uh, best music, original score, Ryuichi Sakamoto, David Byrne of the Talking Heads. Uh, Kong, I know. Uh, I love David Byrne. I love David Byrne. Uh, and Kong Su. Uh, fun, a couple of fun, fun facts. Over 1,000 school children were brought to play Red Guards in the 1967 Cultural Revolution March. Bernardo Bellalucci had problems instilling the right amount of anger in them as none of them knew the attitudes of the Cultural Revolution. In real life, uh, when Pewey met uh, Empress C, uh, he screamed in terror. He later described seeing an eerie yellow uh, curtain with an ugly thin face behind it. She was displeased and had one of her servants offer him candy. When he screamed even louder, she had him taken away. She died the next day. Oh, that's interesting. During filming of the immense Coronation Street Carnation scene, not Carnation Street, in the forbidden in this in the Forbidden City, Queen Elizabeth II was in Beijing. That was going to be so- my fact. Aha! <laughs> uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Do you want to? Go on, you say the fact then. You say. Yeah. Go so on. basically, Queen Elizabeth and the Irish listeners will love this because you know it's get, the Queen getting snubbed. But um, yes, the basically when they were filming the uh, the film the production, Queen Elizabeth II was in China at the time. And she wasn't allowed to go to the Forbidden City because they let the production go there instead. Yes, that's right. So take that, Lizzie. 
take that <laughs> really showed you <laughs> yeah um what was gonna say so you had never seen the last emperor what have you ever heard anything about it or know anything about I, it? i'd heard of it i all i all i knew was it's four hours long and to be honest i'm actually kind of glad we did this because i would never watch that i would never have watched yeah. otherwise and it is an interesting piece so i'm kind of yeah. glad i've seen it to be honest yeah, I, I've been in the same boat as you. I never knew anything about it. Um, um, in the same way, I looked out for references. The only reference I got was from The Simpsons with the stone cutters when Homer walks out and under the yellow flag. That's the yeah. only one I got. Uh, I, I don't think I knew anything else. Yeah, I didn't. I was glad they made it. I'm glad I got to see it. It's uh, telling a side of history that I know nothing about because Me when too. I'm watching, I've learned yeah. loads about like I didn't realize. You know, it's such an interesting story going from Emperor China to peasant. Really yeah, effectively, yeah. Like the last, well, he is the last emperor, you know. Yeah. And I, I thought I thought it was fascinating to look at it from that perspective. And also when um, and not and not knowing what was going to happen, I didn't know anything about um, what, like Eastern history, I guess, really yeah. like modern history either. And then how they treated him, and uh, and and the fact he was revered basically as a god from the age of whatever five or six. I thought was. Yeah really fascinating like they literally smelled his shit uh and they showed us his shit and i was like oh my god this is insane yeah. this is absolutely insane um i thought before now i will say i over the four hours i thought it was a good film i thought i enjoyed a lot of it I, the performances did my head in for the majority of it like <laughs> i i thought i i was like okay they're going the full way they're going like uh I guess they're getting, they felt like they were getting mostly local actors, not local, but like Chinese actors to play the parts. And I'm sure that's the reason they had to do that because that's why the Chinese government gave them kind of full sway to do what they want. And I was like, that's okay. But like the majority of actors were very bad. I was like, please just get, get, of course, absolutely get Asian actors, but get them like, get like Americans or get English people or get add someone who people who were actually very good performers. I thought the, uh, Pewey when he was like got old like the, the emperor when he was not old but when he was like in his 20s up that stage of performance for him I thought that was I thought he was very very good yeah I, I enjoyed the film as it went on like I was yeah. very I'm not going to lie I was very very bored for the first yes. time I think the more the time passed I was like we're getting neater we're getting neater yeah <laughs> I was the exact same do you know what you're feeling you just feel it in your stomach like we're getting we're getting there do you know we're over half and, and I'm not going to deny it right I didn't watch it in one sitting because I just didn't have time I watched the over uh, two yeah. days I um, full credit to me. I watched it all in one day. Fair, fair play uh, to you. Yeah, thank you. Pat on the back. It but took me so long to find a, a legal copy of the film that it was very late at night by the time I actually could start watching it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I I have a theory as well, but I'm probably wrong because I never actually looked up this fact. But I, I was thinking maybe this is filmed in like multiple languages. I was like, it, maybe the, I was I had this in my head. I was like, maybe that's why they wanted to get like the local actors in because they were speaking broken english the mm -hmm. whole do you know what i mean like to everyone it wasn't just to like um peter o'toole or whoever like they're speaking broken english the whole film and i was like geez this is why i was like just get like like uh, if you're going to do it in english get english speaking actors like actual like full-on english speaking actors and that's what frustrated me and that's what took me out of it so much and especially teenage the emperor i thought was awful a really really bad actor very very yeah. bad actor yeah. it was uh it was for me. It was a frustrating watch. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was beautifully it was, it shot. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was the, probably my favorite thing about it, actually. Yeah, and the reason I give out to Michal for him cho choosing it is because we kind of said it's a real filmmaker's movie. 
That's what you know. What I call them, and Edgar, I think Edgar Wright coined this, and I love it. It's a broccoli movie. Uh, have oh. you ever heard that? And no. basically, like we should all, we all need to eat broccoli because it's good for you. Do you know? It's like yeah. something we should eat, and it's yeah. like a proper bit of cinema which you probably should see, but you don't necessarily enjoy it. It's not like Rain Man's much more enjoyable to watch, for example. Do you, so it, would broccoli movies be kind of like uh, Schindler's List as well? Yeah, and, yeah, films yes. like that. I get, I because I had a discussion with. Um, with someone yesterday about this, she was saying to me, she was listening to the podcast where we covered Schindler's List, which was episode eight with Lee Coffey. Check it out. We recovered Braveheart, uh, Unforgiven, and Forrest Gump as well. Uh, sorry, I have to plug whenever I can. And um, we, she was like, oh, I was like, I feel like I have to watch, it's like I've seen it before, and it's like, I actually want to watch it after listening to the podcast. And I was like, but you kind of go on about, like, you don't ever want to watch the film again. And I'm like, thing is, it's a, one of the greatest films ever made. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But there are certain films I can't watch again. Yeah, I I'm never watching make... The Last Emperor again. I'm telling you that right now. Never well, watching that, again. That's for several reasons. Several <laughs> reasons, you know. But like, like the Schindler's List, like the Twelve Years a Slave, um, yeah. where they're so brutal and they're so. But like in, like they're they're shining a light on stuff that has actually happened in history, and it can be really hard to watch. And that's the point of the film that you should really only. You should never really want to watch the film, if that makes sense. But yeah, you should feel a need to watch it and mm -hmm. maybe not rewatch it. I can't imagine. I really can't imagine a time. I can't imagine a time ever where I go, hey, let's watch Inner List. You know, let's watch The Last Emperor. Let's watch uh, uh, yeah. whatever else, you know, because it's hard to watch them. But they're good. They're good things to see, especially if you love cinema and they are interesting. Like mm -hmm. this is the last great epic film of Hollywood. I'd say. It's like the, probably one of the last yeah. big, big epics they ever done. Uh, and sure. there's a reason for that because people just i think the reason it's four hours though is i think the original cut was like two hours 50 and they couldn't yeah. get it to like run in cinema without having a break or something and they couldn't get mm. it on tv to have it in two parts so yeah. they just made the extended version which is ridiculously long well i think there's a part the reason i think it's that as well is because they made this film all right and i think they i feel they might be over explaining things they are because but I think that's because we have no idea what's going on. Do you know, yeah, it's probably. it's not like in general, like we'll say wartime films, whether it be American or English or British or Australian or anything, you might have a relative idea of what's happening before even going into it. You know, you know, Hitler's bad, you know, uh, we're the good guys, all this sort of stuff. So you don't have to over explain who all these people are. Well, in this film, I think they kind of like, it's, you know, like in a Shakespeare play where, every 15 minutes they will explain the plot because they they know people won't be able to understand everything going on so they have to explain what's going on every 15 20 minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very creative i think it's kind of like this they're explaining everything in great depth because they have to let everyone in what's happening um so i feel like i think it's important that this film is made i'm glad they made it but I, there's also a huge part of me that if i think if this is made now if they go we're making this film about the last emperor it's going to be two and a, I guarantee it'd be two and a half hours at the, at the longest because they will be, there'll be so much pre-production going into it. be so much stuff. There'll be YouTube videos that, that they'll commission to be made about the history of this. So people going into it will be experts before seeing a thing, do you know? But I think back then, if you, the only way you'd know what was going on is if you like, even like they said in, in the fact that they, the thousand extras, they couldn't even get them to, to react properly because they had no idea about the cultural rev revolution. So like the fact that, the Chinese people don't even know their own history. They're not allowed to know their own history. Um, the you know over here we're, we don't have a chance. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I think as well something though, which a friend of mine pointed out was 
in the eighties and stuff, t- TV wasn't as big and it wasn't in the golden age it is now. So, like today, mm-hmm. the Last Emperor would be a TV series because you could have yes. all that. Time, you have all that time to explore. Whereas back in with cinema, back when it was different, like epics were more common because people would actually not mind a four-hour film. That's very true, actually. I never thought about it like that, and uh, I'm only noticing that through the amount of films I've watched with intermissions. Yeah, you know, um, so fucking many, <laughs> and it can be hard. It can be hard. Well, no, I actually I do like an intermission because I'm like, yes, I'm happy. Me too. Through. Me too. Yeah, um, yeah. So for you, okay, we we've discussed at length that it was it's hard. It was hard, a hard watch because of the length. Uh, it's beautifully shot, and the history and all like that is mm. really really fascinating. Uh, so what what did you really like about it? Uh, I thought it was just—I thought it was actually just very interesting as a piece yeah. of history, and I—I I almost like you know what I almost like the most about it. It's just because it's so hard to make a film, and like the, it's just such great filmmaking from mm. start to finish. It's like almost just looking at it going, "Wow, they made this!" Like this is just so you almost just have a respect for it from that point of view. I really liked how it was shot. Um, I also just really enjoyed. Like I actually really got into it the second half of the film. I really found yeah. the bit. Yes. Him being in prison stuff so interesting, and mm. I loved it. I loved it as it went on, and like it was really like the ending. I thought was perfect. I loved that scene yeah. when he goes up to the kid. I thought, wow, it really got into under my skin after a certain point because the first half I felt alienated, which is maybe deliberate as well. Maybe you're meant to feel like him in this forbidden city, mm. and then when he gets out, you feel more connected to him and to this film and stuff. I completely agree with you on that. I I think once the older actor came in and the performances mm. improved all around, especially him. I thought that the main guy was great then. Um, that's when it became more engaging. And when it was dealing with the war and dealing with um, all that sort of stuff and the more adult themes, I was like, yes, I'm on board with this. And this is, this is a hot take. And uh, actually, I can remember this from, because uh, Michal told me this because he did his own research. So thanks, Michal, for, getting, <laughs> for, for having this. But um, apparently, um, he he was gay. The, the ah yeah, yeah 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 I did read that yeah well. yeah mm-hmm. he um because I was uh, again not knowing the history not knowing anything about the guy he couldn't perform with his wife and apparently that was never consummated and that's why she kind of breaks down throughout the film but he um or at least he was by but that's kind of like an open secret. Um, because I think he said to me he was speaking to someone that was like lived oh his me sorry me uh, yeah Mia's girlfriend lived in China for a year and so she was kind of give, given a little information she that she got and she was like yeah it was an open secret that he, he was either bi or gay I can't remember but like that that was a very brave thing to put that into the film because obviously yeah. China China isn't isn't the biggest fan of uh, of LGBTQ plus and all, all that sort of stuff um, you can tell that because there was a big thing in the new Star Wars film most recent yeah. Star Wars film where there was a gay kiss. I think it was a man-on-man kiss or woman-on-woman, I can't remember. And um, there was supposed to be a big deal, but it's like for a split second. And people are like, that's not a that's not a thing. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, the only reason you put it like that is because you can sell it in China just by cutting it out. And, and they're like, no, 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 no. Yes, that's entirely what they did. Uh, so that's so putting that in is very, very brave of them to be able to do that. And, um, and I like the little aspect of it too. So good looking at it from um, trying to pick your best scene. There's about a million billion scenes in this film. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. So if you were to give one, what would it be? I think just purely from the cinematic, because I remember that was the first time watching the film of what, oh my God, that is beautiful actually, is when he gets the bicycle as a kid and he cycles around the Forbidden City. I thought yeah. that was absolutely stunning. And he like try, and he tries to leave the city and he's actually not allowed to. And I thought that I really enjoyed that. Yes, that was- I really, really liked that. I loved when um, 
he's on the roof. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And Peter O'Toole is screaming at him to get down. Uh, not Peter O'Toole, like the actor. I got. Uh, sorry. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's getting, what's Peter O'Toole doing with the Emperor? Um, I really like that scene. I love the. I love how it's shot. When is it? His wife gets seduced by your one. I can't remember. Mm. That's so beautifully shot. I love yeah. that scene, and uh, I like when he's being made the emperor again. I love, by the way, the whole thing of him not being able to do anything for himself. I know, yeah, and, and even forcing- and he, he's in prison and he's still getting his servant to like help him. Yeah, um, I absolutely love that. And then he just now, I think it's to tie his laces. He doesn't know how to do it, and yeah. then the servant comes over and it's like, "This is the last time. This is my last time doing it." You know, yeah. uh, I love all that, and it's just it fascinating how we can go from being. That basically a god to a gardener, <laughs> yeah, and just being kind of happy, you know, it's a great yeah, art. He seems yeah. happier in the end than he ever was, yeah. Any other, he's very lonely, yeah, and he um, can just kind of control his own life, control his own destiny. I think Blind Boy said this actually to give a, a, a shout out to an Irish legend, but he talked about Trump on one of his recent podcasts and how Trump doesn't live in a real world because everyone mollycoddles him, you know, mm. if whenever he phones somebody, they're like, oh, it's Trump. He's very powerful. We have to speak to him in a certain way. I think that yeah. was a bit like the the emperor in it. Like he never got spoke to like a real person, so he's you he can't really assess his mental health or him in a that's real true. way. In a real way that we could yeah. to anyone else. That's that's a great point, actually. A really really great point. Um, there was actually what was it again? I loved as well. It was near. I knew it was coming to the end as well, so I was very happy too. But the demonstration <laughs> that went on in the parade—that that, that was very good scene. I really enjoyed that. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Um. So, but for you, I don't know if there's much. Is there dialogue? A lot of dialogue? Because I'm trying to think if I can clip that scene. No, no, no. Not, no there's not. Um, not so really. which, which one is a, a nice scene with dialogue? Then that we'll, we'll go for. To be fair, there's a bit at the end when he go, in the parade when he goes up and he's like, "This is a. He's a good man. He's a good yes. man." They yeah. could probably clip that. That would be good. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll say that's our favourite part, okay? Yeah, it was. Agreed, good. agreed. This must be a mistake. I know this man. He is a good man. Who are you? I am a gardener. Join us, comrade. Oh, pass off. But what has she done? She's been accused. Accused of what? Empress Lucky! The Venus Element! Rotten righteous! Confess your crime! I've nothing to confess. Cut the towel to trim her mouth! Confess your crimes! I've nothing to confess. Cut the towel! Confess your crimes! Wait! He is a teacher. He is a good teacher. You cannot do this to him. Move. You will be him. He is a good teacher. Um, cool, 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 cool. So the last emperor, um, won. Oh, sorry, is silver medal today, but won uh, best picture in 1988, I think, and uh, was nominated alongside Moonstruck, Hope and Glory. Fatal Attraction and Broadcast News. Of those films that you've seen, if you've seen any, did it deserve to win Best Picture? I've seen, I think I've seen Fatal Attraction years ago. I don't really remember much about it. I love Moonstruck. love that film. Cher is such an underrated actor. She really is. That's a fantastic rom-com. I love romantic comedies, Joe. I don't know if you know that, but I'm a huge fan of that that genre and it's something I write a lot. 
Um, and I think too. Moonstruck's a very good example of a very great unconventional rom com. So I probably that Nicholas Cage as well, isn't it? Yes, it is, and he's also yeah, yeah. can actually act very well in some films. Yeah, <laughs> Nicholas um, Cage, okay, does not get near. Uh, sorry, Cher are two very underrated actors. More, I'd say. Cher more so, I'd say only, well, she's won an Oscar. That's on Nicolas Cage. But I think just because she hasn't really been an actor mm. full-time, you know, she's a performer yeah, as well, yeah. amongst other things. But um, Nicolas Cage is one of the best actors in the world. And all of his work and professionals say it about him. It's just that he lost all his money, so he has to do every film ever made. And um, Eden Hawke said, they did, what is that film they did together where oh, he's an arms dealer? He's an arms dealer. Yeah, I, I know the one um, you mean. Can't remember. But I love he, Ethan Hawke to bits. Yeah, he's such a good actor. So yeah, absolutely. But he said about Nicolas Cage that Nicolas Cage is the last of like the the kind of Brando era actor. Yeah, era. He just does. Every, he does so many films as well, and that's why he gets a lot of shit because some yeah. of the films he's in are just bad. But he's yeah. a very good actor. He is a very very good actor. Um, okay, what would you say is your favorite performance of Nicolas Cage? What we have adaptation. Great film. Ah, oh, that's great. Charlie Kaufman. Yes. It's on Netflix and not enough people have seen that. So go and watch Adaptation. Fantastic film. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I love, and he got nominated for it. I didn't win, but Chris Cooper won that year for mm. Best Supporting Actor. And Meryl Streep's in that as well. Isn't she or Mike on that? Yeah, I think Meryl Streep's in that. Yeah. yeah. No, she is. She definitely is in that. Yeah. Yes, she is. She is. I love Meryl Streep. I love her so much. I've come to really appreciate, I know we're going off tangent here a little bit. That's all but right. I've, I've come to appreciate her so much, um, especially after seeing so many films that she's been in because the late seventies to mid eighties is when she was like, obviously she's continuous to get nominated for Oscar, but that's when she was winning best pictures. And, um, so I saw her in out of Africa, uh, Kramer versus Kramer and the, the deer hunter. And I'm just like, this woman is like, so beautiful. So just, the most engaging face you're ever going to see. Mm. You can read every single emotion, every twitch, every everything off her. I know I'm I'm not the first. I'm not going to be the last to say she is <laughs> like a very good actor. Very. She's got she's got skills. That girl. Yeah. Um. Definitely not an yeah. underrated. Not not underrated an actor anyway. Yeah. And definitely not for for seventeen Oscar nominations for the amount of praise she's got. She's definitely not overrated either. No, she's that's true. Perfectly that's rated. True. She's perfectly rated. <laughs> Um, so Moon would so over. Do you think the last? Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Moonstruck, I'm afraid. But the last, em no, I don't know. I mean, the last Empire is the great last epic and it is very good, so maybe it did deserve it because it is an interesting piece. So, yeah, I mean, I'd, I would be happy if either had won it, to be honest. And I That's think, yeah, I mean, I've, a lot of the time, Oscars that don't win are remembered more anyway, like a lot of the nominations get remembered more. And I'd, I'd probably say Moonstruck gets talked about more than The Last Emperor, so yeah. I, I would agree with you. I, I don't think Moonstruck is spoken about enough, but The Last it Emperor... isn't either. Yeah. Last Emperor just isn't spoken about at all. So, yeah. Cool, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, um, cool, cool. So, thank you so much for this, Jamie. Thank you so, <laughs> so, 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 so much. But uh, but further bracket, 1987 to 1989, um, Jamie Alexander McKinley, the gold medal goes to... And the winner is... Rain Man. Yes. Uh, selfish yuppie Charlie Babbitt's father left a fortune to his savant brother Raymond and a pittance to Charlie. They travel cross country together. Rain Man won four Oscars and was nominated for 23 nominations in film festivals, film festivals around the world, winning a further 22. Do you want to take a stab at the four Oscars at one? Uh, one best, I think it won, well, Dustin Hoffman won for best actor. 
Yeah. Uh, I think it got nominated for a screenplay award, did it? It won. It won the award for that, yeah. Uh, it won... I read this just before and forgot him. <laughs> I can't remember the other two, to be honest. Uh, that's fine. I can read them out. Uh, so best it. picture, obviously. Best actor in a leading role, Justin Hoffman. Best director, Barry Levison. Mm. Best writing, screenplay written directly for screen, Ronald Bass, screenplay, and Barry Morrow, screenplay and story. Mm. And then nominees... Uh, Best Cinematography, John Seale. Best Art Direction, Set Decoration, Ida Random and Linda Desenia. Best Film Editing, Stu Linder. Best Music and Original Score, Hans Zimmer. A couple of fun, 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 fun facts. Uh, Dustin Hoffman was originally hired to play the part of Charlie Babbitt, but after being moved to tears, seeing a savant named Leslie Lemek, who is blind, mentally handicapped, and has cerebral palsy, play full concertos on the piano by ear, he decided to play the part of Raymond instead. During filming, Dustin Hoffman was unsure of the film potential and his own performance. Three weeks into the project, Hoffman wanted out, uh, telling Barry Levison, get Richard Dreyfuss, get somebody, Barry, because this is the worst work of my life. Hoffman would nab his second Best Actor award for his work. Uh, Dustin Hoffman Dustin Hoffman spent a lot of time with savant uh, Kim Peake, the inspiration for the character of Raymond. Uh, Rain Man writer Barry Morrow first met Peak in 1986 on, on winning an Oscar for the screenplay for the movie in 1989, gave his Oscar trophy to Kim Peak. Uh, Hoffman made Kim's father the main caregiver, a promise that he would share Kim with the world. For nearly 20 years until his death, Kim Peak went all, uh, all over the world impressing people with his incredible memory and ability to recall minute details from centuries of history. And this is a, a, a kind of, I think, a very nice fact to finish on, a very kind of wholesome fact. Um, the elderly man in the waiting room who talks on and on about the Pony Express in Byr- is Byron P. Uh, Kavanagh, an 89-year-old local who was in the waiting room when the crew arrived to film there. He, uh, he got to talking about his favourite subject, Aww. the Pony Express, and director Barry Levison got such a kick out of it that he let, not, sorry, that he let uh, Kavanagh keep on talking as the cameras rolled, as the dialogue was spontaneous and not scripted. And yeah. do you want to give your do you want to give your fact? Yeah, this the, my little fact was, and you mentioned it in the nomination, but this was Hans Zimmer's first Hollywood film he did the soundtrack for. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, that is a that that's like a um an extra again, again yeah. according to IMDb trivia. So it With, could be wrong, but it probably is right. Yeah, it is a hundred percent fact factual. Because that's where I get all my ones as well. Yeah. Uh, so this is your first time seeing Rain Man, but you haven't yeah. seen it before. I hadn't seen it before. Obviously, very popular film. I've actually seen clips from it because, as you know, Joe, I work in adult care. I'm a support worker and I work with autistic people. So it was actually really lovely to watch this film. Uh, And it's why it's my number one, because I can connect to it more than the other two, because I felt like I was watching an experience I've lived many times. uh, And I thought it was quite a nice. I thought the film was a very quite a kind portrayal of of autism, actually. I don't think Mm -hmm. it had any because it gets some criticism from some people. Um, but I don't think it had any harmless intentions behind it. I think it was a very nice moving film. Yeah, um, as well with the fact that like back then, you know, and still not now, we're not up to this the stage of caring and understanding uh, mental health uh, across the board. So the fact that this film was, was made in 1986, 87, whatever year, well, it came out in 87, I think it was. But for the fact it was taken such like, care of it was mm. was like so much love was put into it and so much um just wanting to get this story across because obviously it's a fact it's a fictional story but it's based on a real person that can actually do these things and it's mm. just um a very engaging 
and uh, very lovely and interesting and incredibly performed story. And also, I thought you were going to say, as you know, Joe, I work in the adult film industry. And I was like, <laughs> and so when he said that, I was like, oh, this has took an interesting turn. And then he went, adult care. I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, actually, it's it's more wholesome than adult, <laughs> adult industry. But you never know, one day, one day. Yeah, perfect. Um, but on this film, Rain Man. Oh, yeah. The first question I have to ask you, which I was been waiting to ask you all week. Rain Man. All right. What superhero is Rain Man? As in like an actual Rain Man. If if the moniker is Rain Man, what superpowers does Rain Man have? In this film? or Not in this film. No, no. I mean like an actual superhero right. called Rain Man. He would control the weather, maybe? I don't know. Like, but then he'd be Weatherman. Yeah, weather, maybe man. he controls rain, like he can make it rain, he can shoot thunder and lightning in it. No, that's far. I don't know. No, uh, I think it's, I literally think it's just a light drizzle. A light drizzle, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. it's very particular. It's very like eh. or if it's like rain man, if you want to go like a little bit I don't want to say darker, but a little bit more introspective, maybe, is that he can make you cry. Yeah, that's good yeah. actually. And you know, yeah. the weather affects my mood actually, weirdly, because see Ooh. yesterday, right? It was sunny. Yeah. I yes. felt and I was in a great mood. See today outside, it's a little bit. It's raining actually, so Rain Man's out there now. But um, <laughs> it's not not that it makes me depressive. But it makes me feel like a lot, you know, a little bit more tired, a bit like ugh. So maybe like Rain, Man, Rain Man's power would be that he can like make he can drain your mood, and he can he can do my favorite Scottish word. He can make you feel drink it, like he can make them you know, drink drink it outside. What's that, that mean? Drink it means like just terrible weather. Like oh, it's all it's drink it. It's like ugh. like does that make sense? I love that and, word. Yeah, it's a great word. I I love the word. I, I don't understand where you're going from completely. Ah, that's cool. Um, so to tell us, okay, on the actual film, Rain Man, um, just wax lyrical. Tell us what you loved about it. I just really liked the relationship, how it developed, because it starts off like obviously uh, Tom Cruise's character is such an arsehole at the start, yeah. right? He's an absolute prick. And as somebody who cares for disabled people, I was like, oh God, oh no, this is not, no, stop talking to him like that. I was like so angry. I was like, because I've actually seen firsthand people being quite mean and horrible to disabled people, very passionate about it. And like, you know, I take people out, I support to the shops and stuff. I've seen horrible people make little jokes at them or, you know, just sort of say horrible things. So when I first started watching the film, I, was, I hated Tom Cruise. Yeah. I despised him. But then as it went on, I actually began to really root for him and I really liked the little relationship they had. And yeah. Dustin Hoffman's performance is so good. I work with autistic people, as I've said, like yeah. five times yeah. now. I, I need to stop saying that now. We, 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 we get the point. <laughs> um, oh, such a good person. Oh, so, like. <laughs> They're literally saying that, though. They're probably like, oh, he's such a good person. You know? Oh, I, so, any, anyhow um no it was just really a really great portrayal of autism um like i actually know people like you know, the way dustin hoffman dances someday i support dances the exact same way and stuff and it is so sweet like i love that we'll talk about this scene in a minute actually yeah. but it's, oh, it's just such a nice film and like i loved how it ended as well i love that they didn't quite get it didn't come maybe work out the way that tom cruise's character wanted to do but that wouldn't have been right because he didn't have the yeah. skills to look after him but i also um, think it worked out perfect for him too it did, because, it did. because he got what he wanted in the end was just his uh, his brother yeah and and I, yeah i have a couple of hot takes in this okay mm-hmm. and i think first of all the fact that this film is as good as it is considering all the constraints that kind of happened to it um is miraculous because this film was being produced was being filmed during the writer strike okay ah really? so yeah so all that the I can't remember the name. No, was it Morrow? Sorry, let me get my facts up again. Um, 
the writer's name is oh, Ronald Bass and Barry Morrow. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Bass basically wrote it and Morrow did the story. I don't think they actually worked together that much, but he all he did was on the first day of filming, he handed the script up and then had to leave. He couldn't be on set, he couldn't be near, he couldn't do uh, rewrites, couldn't do anything. So there's so many intricate details in this film, which I, I don't know about you, but uh, me as a writer, I'm like, that is so clever. Like, for example, there was something I noticed, because I had seen this before, years ago, like maybe 15 years ago, I, I went to, I was in college studying, um, I can't remember exactly what I was studying, but it was kind of like behind the scenes of filmmaking. So like they had like a, a video library because it was prior to Netflix where you could just rent out whatever DVD you wanted. Rain Man was there, so I brought it home and watched it. And uh, really liked it, but I wasn't really paying attention to it if I was being honest. I, I, mm. used to, I used to play football manager and watch films, you know, at the same time without watching the film, just to have noise in the background. But I, was, but I kind of knew the, the basics of what was happening. Do you know, I, um, two the scenes that kind of stuck in my head were uh, for whatever reason was when they were trying to fly to Sydney. And, um, and that was always a scene that stuck in my head for whatever reason. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the, the, I remember when I was, well, hold on, actually I was younger. I, oh, I was younger. I was younger. Cause I remember being, I was very young actually, cause I was in fourth year. So this was prior to when I was in college, actually I was 16. So I, I don't know where I yeah. watched it. Uh, I must've got it from somewhere else. But um, you know the scene where he drops the matchsticks and he's like, yeah. how many are there? And it's like, and he says like 84, 84, 84. And it's like, there's a lot more than 84. And then he, But he's adding them all up and it was like actually 250, whatever the number was. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember asking my maths teacher, because we were chatting about that briefly. And I was like, why did he say 84? Because I didn't even consider the fact that he was adding them up and then saying it. And then he was like, oh, um, uh, and it was like five minutes left to go. I was like, oh, go on, all of you go out. It's fine. Have, have, finish early. So he let us all go early. And I got loads of pats on the back for, uh, <laughs> for, for doing that. But back to my original point. Um, the, what was my original point? Sorry. I, oh, yeah, hot takes. So the fact that this film had no, no production and like the intricate details, like the fact that he's so mean, mm. they actually, that's mentioned in the will, in his father's will. He said um, along the lines of, uh, I can understand everything you were like. Being raised without a mother has made you harsh and made you angry and all yeah. like that. And I'm like, I can imagine like growing up with, with no kind of let up, with no um, comfort. Like your dad is an arsehole and there's no one there beside you to be like, no, it's okay. Look, he's, you know, whatever. Um, will turn you like mean, turn you harsh, turn you like cold and insular. And, um, and also I think it was the dad's plan the whole time. Mm. that he would kidnap his brother to get them connected. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, okay, this is why, this is why, right? Um, because the main care assistant sees them leave, all right? Um, your man who Ray describes as, he describes Ray, it's like, oh, I've known him for eight years, we're basically best friends, but if I left tomorrow, he probably wouldn't even remember me. Um, mm. He sees them walking out and doesn't say anything. Then there's the whole thing with like, he calls up with his ransom stuff, and there's never even a faux sort of like we'll call the police. Do you know what I mean? We'll we'll do this, we'll do that. But they're, they're not. There's never like we'll chase you down, we'll find you, all this sort of stuff. It's just basically please bring him back. So I think there is an aspect of the dad being like, may let this happen because there could be something good that comes from it. And that's only maybe I'm looking too hard into it, but mm. there's just I feel I felt like there's no shots. You, 
made for no reason. And the fact that we can see the care assistant watching them leaving and saying nothing about it and just kind yeah. of standing there, that's what has me kind of suspecting. I, I, I quite like that, actually. I, I think yeah. let, let's choose to believe that was the case. Is that, is that yeah. Some, yeah. Fit, yeah. Fitting with the film as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on on Tom Cruise's performance in this? Yeah, very good. Very, very, very good as well. Yeah. I mean, they're both just they're great chemistry. Um, it's just a really like, and, and maybe a boring answer to that, but honestly, just it's good. It's just a good performance yeah. because it can't be easy. Uh, trying to uh, maybe it is easy when you have someone like Justin Hoffman, who is this is the first time we're mentioning him in chronological order, I guess. I think. But like he comes up again in a couple of episodes with uh, Kramer versus Kramer and in Midnight Cow. I can never say Midnight Cowboy. Midnight I always say Cow- I always say Cowboy. No, Midnight. Sorry, Midnight Cow. I can't even say it now what I mean. It's, <laughs> basically, I sound like I'm from Cavan, which is the county yeah, Ireland, yeah. which does my head in. But um, he's probably the best actor of, of this generation. He's just a complete arsehole, especially when it's in his pomp. But like he's just absolutely like there's never an actor who's worked as frequently as he has with so many performances as iconic as each other that are so completely different yeah you know? Dan Lewis works too much sorry doesn't work enough I think to be seen as the greatest no, I, I, I agree I agree yeah um but like to play off Justin Hoffman when he's in full mode I feel if I kind of this part of me is like I feel like like Charlie not sorry um what's his name Tom Cruise is the leading actor and Dustin Hoffman and Ray is the supporting actor I feel like it's more so it is Charlie Babbitt's story. It's it's he's the one with an actual arc. I, there is an arc for uh for Ray as well, but it's I guess it's more subtle and all like that. But yeah, um, there's, def- there's I, definitely an arc for um for for Charlie. It's his it is Charlie Babbitt's story. Yeah, it is the Charlie Babbitt story. So I'm like, he's the leading actor. And I feel if the film wasn't called Rain Man, I feel like they Dustin Hoffman would have been put down as a supporting actor. Yeah. He would have won that, absolutely. And then I felt like Charlie, I keep about to say Charlie Sheen, Tom Cruise would have been nominated for a leading actor because genuinely how he goes from, like, I guess that he's so bad. But again, I don't know if he's so... He's not so bad because you can emphasize, you can empathize, sorry, with him. Obviously, because you're like, he doesn't know his dad and like, you don't think he's a terrible, terrible person. He just doesn't also understand the disability. And like, that's, I can under, like, you know, it's easy to get frustrated. Like, it can be really frustrating if you're in a car with somebody for eight hours and like there, because, you know, I have bad days at work where I'm like, oh my God, this is hard. Like, and, Mm. and you have to really sometimes be patient. Like, sometimes I have days where I'm like... Oh my god, this is this person is getting very on my nerves. But you know, they, as long as you understand, they can't help it. And like, yeah. but he, so he, it's as understandable why he gets so frustrated, especially at that time as well. There wasn't a huge understanding of what what the condition yeah. was. So that's uh, the way I kind of looked at it. Was he was might have been because obviously I think they added in the stuff like as obviously it's all, it's huge to the to the plot. But I think they kind of went okay. He didn't know his mom and all like that. So we have this sort of background of him being an ag. Um, an aggravated person generally. So then putting um, Raymond, who's severely autistic and severely savant into his life, it's not going to be like, you know, wonderful straight away. But also he's so bad, I think it's because they want to make a reflection on society, how they feel, see these people. Like, because I think everyone, unfortunately, I'm glad to say it's kind of, it's weaning off now. I remember an, an incredibly lovely moment. Uh, it just came to my mind now. I remember, because I work in a hospital as well. Mm. And I remember there was uh, this this little lady, she was about 15 or 16, who was severely autistic. 
and she was in like it was when the world was open so like her mom was beside her the whole time but i remember i nearly started bawling when this happened there was uh, an old man maybe 75 or something like that it was in a six bedded room but he was coming back from somewhere he might have been like just at the shop he was going to go coming back and he's and she was awake and it's like is my little lady awake it's like i've been missing you all morning and like he's not like he was he was nothing to her rather than the person that was next door just in the next bed to her um but i I literally was like this is so heartwarming so lovely and he was just sitting there spending loads of time with her and all like that Mm. and as far as i know um he did he didn't just have anyone that that was uh uh, mentally or physically disabled in his life he's just a a, like a lovely good person especially with like an older generation i was like that is magnificent Mm. um but not but all bad. Yeah, not all bad. Not all bad. Yeah. But again, but again, uh, during that time, like it was maybe a bit more, it was more so it could be a reflection on people in society. Yeah. Even now that, that are like that, that can't, that, that have no patience and have no interest in, in helping these people well, that, that need help. So, but I thought his performance was excellent. And um, Susanna, uh, of course, Susanna, who's played by Valerie, something, I can't remember her second name. Um, Elena. Elena, that's it, that's it. Uh, I thought she was, amazing uh i thought she was so good uh what do you think of her performance yeah she was very good and i loved her little re- the relationship with char um with raymond and like yeah. i loved that she was quite she actually was really sympathetic to both characters in a way and she picks yeah. up with a lot of char- uh, charlie's nonsense as well yes um, she's definitely kind she, of like the mother of the two she is a little yeah, yeah. but she's sort yeah. of um she's quite she's quite a good person really considering mm. yeah so and, she was uh, good yeah, and I know we're we might be touching on this in in best scenes, but I just I thought it was so sweet how they dealt with the the dance and then the kiss. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Although the kiss, I was kind of like, oh my god, if a care worker did that, they would be like sacked on the spot. Yeah, yeah. But like, thankfully, she's such, not a care worker. It was such yeah. a sweet scene, but this and yeah. it's so harmless. But at the same time, it did make me slightly uncomfortable. And it, and I, yeah. I don't know if that's a modern lens or something, but I I think so as well because I I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this is really inappropriate. Then I was like, would it be in a film now? And I think it would be in a film now because. I don't think it's meant to actually symbolize. I'm starting to realize. Yeah. I'm starting to realize more through watching like whatever, 50 films in now symbolism more that like, mm. Oh, that wouldn't happen in real life. And then I'm like, it's not supposed to happen in real life. This it's is supposed film. to, yeah. It's supposed to represent something and like, yeah. and, and nothing's put in by accident. Everything's on purpose. So I was like, it's very lovely and it's very nice and it all yeah. makes sense. But like in the same thing, you'd be a bit like, Ugh. <laughs> so, uh, another mm. similar thing. This is my only issue with the film. And again, I think the film deals with the subject so uh, thoughtfully. And I think, mm. it, I, don't, I think it's a very harmless film and I don't think it has any malicious intentions at all. But something we actually got told in our autistic training at work, and the the trainer hated this film, uh, and he oh. said he hate, he hated what he hated about it was he didn't like the way that Raymond's character was really good with numbers because it was unrealistic, and there is a stereotype that autistic people all are really good with numbers because yeah. of this film. That is a slight stereotype. There are examples of that. You do have autistic people who are extremely clever. Yeah, but I I I thought sli- and it's a film as you say and it had no bad intention. So maybe this is me being a little bit picky, but mm. I didn't really like the scene in the doctors where he's like he gets the numbers really quickly. I thought mm. it was just slightly too over the top. I thought I, even if he mm. even if he'd taken twenty seconds longer to get it, would have been yeah. fine. I think it is because it's based on the person Kim Peek and he could do that. Mm. So I don't I don't think it's supposed to. Now again, this is a problem that I understand where you come from with. It's it's the problem with these sort of films is that it seems to rep it's 
even though it mightn't be what its intention is, but it seem it is representing mm. autistic people as a a bunch, as them all. They all can do this, and every and case lot, is so yeah. different. So yeah, 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 exactly. I, I this is based on a specific person, and maybe if they made a direct, no, I couldn't really make a film about that person. It'd be a completely different thing. But yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from with that, and uh, and also something I forgot. Uh, speaking of parodies again, speaking of uh, The Simpsons, um, the probably the first interaction I ever had with Rain Man was from The Simpsons, um, <laughs> in the casino with um. Oh my god, 20, 21 again. Uh, I'll put it, I'll probably put it in the cliff and it's just like, oh, I'll do that can carton thing again. Dude, no, 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 gotta go, gotta gotta watch Wapner, gotta gotta watch Wapner. It's like, no, do it, do it. Ah, ah, Twenty one. Do that card counting thing again. Come on, do it again. Definitely have to leave the table. No! Please, 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 please! Gotta watch Wapner. Leave the table. Yeah, leave the table. No! Oh, the casino scene's good. How good is the scene? It's so silly, but how nice that when they go to that random woman's house, it's like he needs to watch the TV now. And oh, it's just this fa- it's just this family kids and they're all watching like that uh, five I can't remember the show now. Jeopardy, it was. Jeopardy, that's the one. Yeah. Bullseye. Um, Bullseye, that's a different that's a, that's a UK <laughs> but, one. Yeah, that's very This very, is what you could this is what you could on. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a speedboat. <laughs> the Chris Ta- Chris uh, Taggart on that, I can't even remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, that yeah. was that was such a whole, wholesome scene. So wholesome. Yes. So lovely. And again, with they of course Charlie Babbitt doing his usual sort of like con man sort of like, you've been ex- selected by the Nielsen family, blah, 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 blah. My husband's not here. Mm-hmm. And then he freaks out to close the door on him. And then he just tells the truth and then he's allowed to come in. Um, Do you not think that represents the story arc in the film perfectly? Like it's like that's him being the characters at the start. And mm-hmm. then that's him being the character he becomes. And by being the character he becomes, more people open the door to him. It's very true, yeah. That's mm. like you can tell your your screenwriter because that is fantastic. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But like once he just opens up and and it is himself, then he's the door opens. Do you know that's that's <laughs> wonderful. But uh, but on the putting, putting that film degree to good use. For <laughs> 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 but on um, your favorite, yeah, we'll go to favorite scenes now. Um, what would you say is your standout? I love. I mean, I know it's the most iconic, I think, but I love the scene when they they dance in the hotel. I, it's just so moving. Like the brothers, it's like oh, or the scene in the bath as well when he's like saying like I remember when you sung the Beatles and he sings it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. heart's going now. Honestly, it's just it's so nice. That scene when um, yeah, I got like the when they're in the bath, the bathroom, and the and he remembers why why because i hurt charlie i hurt charlie he burned charlie and then um when he turns the hot water on and he freaks out because he does love his brother he cares about him deeply and he can't express that in any way and mm. um and it's only because the hot water goes on and he thinks it's going to hurt him like it hurt him yeah. before because he can remember that's again it's part, it's such wonderful storytelling because mm. his memory he remembers everything so he would remember that exactly the day the exact time as he says um, and that's just so heartbreaking. Can we sing any other songs? Like the Beatles? Yeah. Oh, 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 it's a scary, oh, it's a scary band. Scary band. Oh, it's a scary band. 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 Yeah. Me? Yeah. He's, he's Water. Ray, Ray. How water? He's 
moment is because I remember this from the first time I saw it but I thought it was different uh when they the when it's kind of agreed that that uh Ray's gonna go back to the home and he puts his he- I thought it was Charlie put his head against Raymond but it's actually mm-hmm. Raymond puts his head against Charlie and you're like ah oh, that's just a beautiful connection do you know yeah. it's it there and, and then and you do and you do get those moments it's very yeah. realistic you get it's lovely because some you do get those moments with the people with autism that and they when they really like are comfortable with you and yeah. they'll connect with you and, and it is it's honestly something so beautiful about that as well yeah yeah i absolutely and it it just it sunk my soul in a nice way and then i completely forgot about the scene afterwards when uh when he's getting on the train oh and, uh, and all like that it's it's and it's funny as well as sad and all like that and uh yeah, I, uh, I just, I absolutely, I'm so and the, way, and the way he keeps quoting the comedy thing and he's like, it's a joke. It's a joke. Who's <laughs> <laughs> so on first? Who's on first? Uh, what? Yeah. But he does it when he's nervous because he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, brilliant stuff. Yeah, absolutely love this film. And thank you so much for picking it. It's, uh, I'm really, really happy I get to watch this again and not The Last Emperor. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah i mean some people would maybe level oh that's the most mainstream one to pick but i'm just being honest and it's the one i connect with the most and enjoy but I, really, I wouldn't really say so maybe like it's slightly more famous than uh than platoon but like they're all very not, different yeah they're all very different and look you picked the, the best one so none of them were bad either just to say yeah they're all i'm glad i saw all of them so can none them of them were the bad list. yeah but some are less good than others uh <laughs> but uh but rain man one best picture, obviously, and is also the gold winner. It is the first of the 80s to be put into mm-hmm. the winner's bracket, Rain Man, from bracket 1987 to 1989. But it was nominated for best picture, which it won in 19, I think, I can't remember, 1988, I think it was, maybe 87, maybe 89, I can't remember. But it was nominated alongside um, The Accidental Tourist, uh, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and Working Girl. Out of those films, if you've seen any, did it deserve to win best picture? I've not seen any of the other films. I don't uh, think. The only I've one, one. I've seen one, maybe actually. I'm trying to think. Which one? I, I might have seen. No, I don't think I have. I don't think I have seen Working Girl. I thought I maybe have seen bits of it, but I can't remember to be honest. The only, the only one I have seen was Mississippi Burn. It's actually it's on. I think it's still on Netflix. That's a great mm-hmm. film. That's Gene Hackman. It's very kind of. It's on my list actually. Yeah, it's a good film, but there's there's a couple of things I'm like, ah, come on. Like if it was made now, it'd, it'd be different because I don't think it's. I don't think it's based on the truth, but like Gina Hackman's like 60 something and Frances McDormand's in it. And she's like 30 something and they get together and you're like, oh, come on. And, it's, and, it, and there's no aspect of like, but you're so much older than me. It's like, no, yeah. Gina Hackman is, is our A-list. He can have everyone's, but uh, it's, it's got like Michael Rooker in it uh, in one of his first leading roles. It's got, I can't remember his name, but he plays Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Um, he's excellent in it. Uh, there's, and, uh, Ron L. Oh, Ron L. Emery. What's his name? The guy he's in. Um, mentioned earlier on. La, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Or uh, do you know who I'm talking about? I can't think of his name. 
Ah, oh, that's going to annoy me for the rest of my life. Uh, former drill sergeant. But yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, but I, can't, yeah. I can't remember that. But excellent film to dealing with racism and dealing with police corruption in the South. I feel like it's based on a true story. We might be might be wrong. And uh, Gene Hackman was, I think, nominated. I know Francis McDormand was, and it's one that should you should definitely check out as well. Uh, well but I would say 100% Rain Man. Uh, considering, yeah. like like I was saying, it's such a nuance. It's such an interesting portrayal. It's very iconic, and um, it's very watchable and, as well. Yeah, and it's fun and it's funny as well, and it's fun to watch as, yeah. uh, too. So. And the, and the car counting scenes are excellent too, and especially when they get caught out. Oh, it's so funny. I, yeah, it's so good. It's so can good. I, can, I, can I just quickly say, because I said, and if I said, if you said, if you said like a second ago, it's on my list. And Nish Kumar made this point on the like, Films to be Buried with podcast, a very interesting mm-hmm. podcast Brett Goldstein does. But um, he said this, and it's, it's so true. He said that like when film students are, are, or just any university shouldn't say either the, say either the phrases like, I'm not familiar with that one, or it's on my list. It's like the most pretentious way of saying I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, though. That's so true. That's so true. That's so true. I'm not familiar uh, with that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie, Jamie, you've been absolutely wonderful, and you picked the best film, and um, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, but before we finish up, we said it before. What are your film suggestions for people? For the people. Okay, so I. I've been really going for watching films this year and locked out of stuff. So I've watched like 47 or something films this year, which is good going. It's good going. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, the, so the, I'm going to just for more recently. So right, well, firstly, my favorite film is When Harry Met Sally. I think it's a perfect film. I think it's a perfect 90 minute film. So if, if anyone who hasn't seen that, go and watch it. Yes. But I'll recommend, I'll, I'm going to quickly recommend some films people might not have seen. Uh, and so as a Scot, it's really great to see Scottish cinema. And one of the best Scottish films I've seen recently is a film called Beats, which came out in 2019. It's a really interesting look at rave culture in Scotland. Uh, and it was on BBC Scotland. So if you're in the UK anyway, you can watch BBC iPlayer. If you're in Ireland, you can find a way of getting BBC iPlayer to work, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I would never I would never say such a thing on, on a podcast. <laughs> never, um, ever, ever. <laughs> so check out Beats. And also a really interesting film to watch is a, talking about Bill Forsyth again, who's a great mm. Scottish director, is um, his film Comfort and Joy, which was his fourth film and is very criminally underrated. So go and watch that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And before and after you do that, um, go over to Just Get a Real Job podcast and yeah. check out first and foremost uh, my episode, Joe O'Neill. Which... Episode 23. Go and check that yes. out with Joe. We had a very, yeah. uh, another great conversation. And it's, it's so fitting that it's come out today. I actually have just posted on Instagram during this conversation, the episode. <laughs> so I'm, I'm away to go and plug that in a minute more, yeah. Joe. Oh, I can't wait. So make sure to check that out. I'll be having it on my uh, Instagram and everything as well. And if you're listening to this on Monday or a half or like a couple of hours first 11 hours of tuesday it'll be the most recent episode um on the podcast so yeah and if um, not it'll just be the one before but yeah, yeah basically it's just me talking to emerging creatives from across the industry we spoke to loads of different people it's it's a lot it's been such a great thing to do and uh yeah it's, it's a joy and it's really nice to have been on the other side of the of the screen Yes, and it's great to have you on as well. Great to have you on. Um, Yes, just Jamie, give us a couple of shout outs there of where the people can find you. Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram, I just get a real job, Twitter, I just get a real job, Facebook, you can like our Facebook. Facebook page well, we also have a patron if you if you ever want to donate to that would be amazing uh, but yeah we're just sort of everywhere you can get podcasts we are there so yeah check us out beautiful and uh the usual places for me it'll uh, all J- uh, jamie stuff will be in the 
the bio or whatever it's called as well. Show so check that out. <laughs> Show notes. That's on. That's the one. Um, so you find me Joe Talks Pod on Instagram, Joe Talks Pod on Twitter. Uh, find my YouTube channel Joe O'Neill uh, by searching Joe O'Neill and check out my short films. Find me on my social medias at Joe Your Own Way on Instagram at Acting Joe on Twitter. Mm. But thanks so much for being a wonderful guest, Jamie. And thanks so much everyone mm, for listening. Pleasure. Um, yeah, come back next week and I my interview will be with Adam Tyrrell, actor Adam Tyrrell and activist Adam Tyrrell. And we will be discussing Amadeus. Amadeus. What's after Amadeus? I said Amadeus and then the next one is um, Terms of Endearment. Then it's Gandhi. Then it's what was after Gandhi? What was that? Oh, uh, the one that Meryl Streep said earlier on. Uh, out of Africa. Uh, yeah, you so perfect. You got, you got there, Joe. You got there. It's all, I can never remember them. I can never nah. remember. Them. But it's a, uh, it's, a ple- it's a pleasure speaking as always, Joe. Keep up the good work with the podcast, and yeah, speak soon. You're some man. Thanks so much, guys. Check out all Jamie's stuff, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. And that was the one for Jamie. Please make sure to follow him on all the social medias and check out his incredible podcast. And just, just, just get a real job podcast. I will link it in the in the show notes anyway so you can check it out there and find it and find the episode i was on where i discussed my life if you want to hear all about that um also i was a guest on the wonderful choose film podcast which i don't know when that will be released but make sure to find those guys and give them a follow as well so you can check out i discussed my i guess my favorite film i said on the show that it's the film i recommend to people the most whether i think it's impossible to have a favorite film says the guy who's hosting a show on trying to find the greatest film of all time. <laughs> but I think it's very difficult, but my the, my movie of choice was In Bruges. So if you enjoy that film, please follow Choose Film Podcast and you can keep up to date and listen to all the other incredible films that are discussed, discussed on that show as well. But for this one, please find my YouTube channel, Joe O'Neill. Please follow us on, on Instagram, on Twitter, at Joe Talks Pod on both and um and joe your own way from my own personal um instagram and acting joe from my own personal twitter it's all in the show notes below anyway you can check it out and and follow and give the support and also give support to jamie by following and researching all of his stuff too but like i said before i believe uh, my guest next week will be actor producer and activist um adam tyrrell so make sure to come back in and check us out for that. Well, we will be discussing Gandhi, Terms of Endearment, Out of Africa, and Amadeus. So, in the 80s in style. Anyway, thanks so much. I will see you next one. Have a great day.